Okay, this is your boy B Magic, and this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your host and your only host today because my boy Noise is, uh, you're on the other side of the mic today. It feels we, weird to be on this side, man. Exactly. Yeah. We also got our boy Dusty Loops back in the building. Yep. Uh, this isn't going to be your regular episode. This is an episode where we are talking about the brand new album from Noise and Dusty Loops, Lo-Fi Glory, A Long Time Coming. And we are going to break that album down song by song, and we're going to get into the head of these two brilliant minds right here and kind of figure out what happened in the process of making this album. Uh, so what better way to start off with than maybe asking about how this kind of idea of Lo-Fi Glory kind of got started? Yeah, but first off, I'm just kind of glad that, you know, we have a lot of guests on the show and we talk about a lot within the context of the episodes, but it's kind of difficult to go in depth with any one topic. Yeah. So we talk about a lot of different creatives and the things that they're involved in, but we don't really get that opportunity to really dive into the creative process. For sure. So I think this is a cool add on to what we've been doing with the podcast to really get deep into the creation of this project. And so the listeners can kind of understand how a project goes from idea to execution. And that's, uh, that's another thing, too. It's like we've never really gotten to talk to our fans in a way about all the work that goes into album, right? Because, right. yeah, we can kind of share tidbits and stuff like that, but they don't see the behind the scenes. And, like, this is years in the making for all of us and a lot of sessions and a lot of conversations that went down in, into making this album. So now I'm kind of... Sh- that's kind of why I wanted to do it and why I kind of wanted to spearhead the questioning of this because I'm like, what better way than than somebody that, that fucking knows what it took to make this album to kind of steer you guys in a direction of explaining what what happened, right? But um, yeah, like a noise, where, where did this all kind of start for, for you? For me, so I'm interested to hear Dusty's side of it too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'll, 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 I mean... Uh, yeah. Give me the assist. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll throw the alley. Yeah. All right. So for me, I know this was kind of around the time when we're working on the second Zoo Babies project. Yeah. And whatever happened with that project happened, things kind of fell apart. And Please I was, explain. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've talked about it on previous episodes. Um, but yeah, that kind of, that situation didn't work out. So um, I just, I didn't know creatively what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. Yeah. And... You know, Dusty, we'd been working together for a few years at that point. Like, he'd produced on my very first project. We'd done a few singles here and there. Um, so, yeah, we'd always kind of been kind of working with each other peripherally, but not, you know, as a, as a duo. So he was primarily working a lot with Scotty and with Tremaine. And then, obviously, I was working with You Magic and with Zoo. Yeah. And then I had kind of come to that point where I didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. So me and Dusty started working a bit more. So around this time, actually, we, a lot of people don't know this, we had a project that we were working on that didn't come out. So it was a project with myself, Dusty, and Scotty IV. Shout out. Yeah, it was supposed to be like this really dope super group, and we had maybe six or seven songs. Get, tell them the name of the group, yeah. Okay, yo. So the, the name of the group, the name of the project was 21 Grams. Hey. There was this like old theory from like centuries ago that when people died, they lost 21 grams in weight. And people said, well, that must mean that the soul has been leaving, right? Okay. So we called it 21 grams because like, yo, this is, this is our generation of soul music. Yeah. 
So that's kind of where we were at at that we, point. We were ahead of the curve, bro. <laughs> on a lot of things. That was a fire project too. I remember yeah. hearing those songs. Yes. Which which later got like stripped and turned into other songs for other things. And yeah. I think only one of the records from that project ended up coming on Lo-Fi, which we'll get to. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope. So that's that was kind of where it started as far as me working with Dusty more closely. Yeah. And then so we were working on the Twenty One Grams project and then we had a few other singles that we had done, just me and him. So without Scotty. Yeah. That was um God Degree and Grey Matter. Okay. And that's where we kind of really developed our chemistry as far as MC and producer together. Uh, so that was kind of where I came into things, where it was like, Zoo fell apart, I needed something to do, and Dusty kind of reinvigorated that spark and just kind of made me fall in love with doing this all over again. So, like, was there an idea of an album at this point? It's like, okay, you, you guys kind of had something going uh, with your new group, but that didn't necessarily take off so now is it okay let's start recording or is it yo okay i want to do lo-fi glory all right dusty let's fucking figure out some songs for this shit like which way did it kind of go well we had an idea to do an ep so the singles like god degree gray matter that was supposed to lead up to an ep yeah um but i think like the idea kind of evolved initially we were talking maybe like three four songs yeah i think i think it was we had a couple songs, but at the same time, while we were, you know, just coming off of just going through records that we had already record, uh, recorded with Scott, we were just trying to figure out, okay, which are the ones that we can kind of still take yeah. and, you know, uh, package them into an EP. But while we're kind of figuring that out, I was also kind of working on a beat tape. And I just always had this title on, on it, like Lo-Fi Glory, right? So... I had everything kind of planned out for that. And um, from there, it just, um, I think I played him some of the beats and he was just like, yo, I like this one. I like this one. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, fine. Go ahead, record it. And then we just slowly started stacking material. Mm-hmm. Even though some there are a couple records that didn't make it, right? But I think that was probably like the initial steps because we're like, okay, if we can, if we have four records, we can do five. Okay, we have five. I think we can hit a seven. And then it kind of just snowballed. I, I remember this time, too, because it was just like we were all hanging around and everybody was just so eager to fucking make music. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, all of these moves and previously had not panned out. Mm-hmm. So it was like out of frustration of that, we're like, let's fucking create. Like on my on my end, that's what it felt like at that point. But I remember... the. There was a couple months span, I would say, where there was a lot of these songs, whether it's it's still songs with me and Dusty or or whether it's moving cool songs that were created in a very small period of time yeah. that will be released in these future years, right? I, yeah, I want to say around that time when we first went to South by Southwest, yeah, like that time period, we were in the studio, like the three of us yeah. were in the studio every week, essentially. And we were just over-recording, overwriting. Every new beat Dusty would make, it's like, all right, let me take that. Let me write something to it. Yeah, when did, um, what's, what's the last record came out? Was it God Degree or Grey Matter? Uh, God Degree was the second one. Yeah. Do you know when it Grey came Matter out? Grey Matter came out first, God Degree, and then I got a love after that. Okay, so I, I don't know if I like kind of told you guys this thing, but I think we had already done stuff for months, and we had already recorded this. We had done the videos, but like me at that point of where I was in life, like, I kind of quit, man. I was just like, this will come out because it is one of those things like, yeah, you work on stuff and then, you know, you work on it for months and then it's very unpredictable 
how things will pan out with not just your project, with just with people, you know, because life happens. Yeah. But it it really kind of sucks when, and you have to accept it that when you're working with multiple people, things can happen that'll derail you. So that's when I think I was working on the beat tape because it's like, okay, if I'm working with someone and tomorrow they leave the country, yeah. what do I do with all the records? I've mm. I've spent a whole year working on that. You know, that's I think I felt a lot of that with Twenty One as well, right? Because like Scott ended up moving uh, to Toronto. And it was difficult for even us to like meet up and stuff, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I was, I kind of checked out, man. But what happened was in February, I ended up filling out that form for the uh, um, mixing with the masters. Yeah, mixed with the masters, right? And I put no thought into it. I filled it out. Just to cut, not to cut you off, but like for those that don't know, can you explain what that is? It's basically like, this thing that happens uh, multiple times a year where there's, there are these people out in, like, uh, Avignon, France, that own, like, they have a big share, like, in the music industry, just not in the entertainment industry. And what they do is uh, they hold these seminars, maybe 12 seminars a year where they'll invite, uh, you know, some of the top engineers in the industry and they'll have them run like a one week uh you know camp where you're basically learning about the ins and outs of mixing and mastering and what their perspective is just on how they do stuff Mm -hmm. and so most of the time like i'd say 95 percent of the time they're only just inviting other engineers so i thought okay if everyone applying is an engineer and you know maybe i was kind of mixing all our stuff at that time too so I figured, okay, maybe I can do that, but I'll have an edge because I'm a producer. Yeah. I didn't think much of it. Uh, you know, it was just a simple, like, five, six fields to fill out. I sent it in. And Did next, you have to attach any music with that submission? Yeah, I sent three stuff, and I think one of them was, I think two of them were definitely the records we did. Okay. With I think one of them even had, like, Scott on it. And, yeah, and then in the summertime, I think, like, maybe, like, end of May or June, I get an email and the entire email, like up to the last sentence, was it, it kind of felt like a rejection letter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Who cares?" Right? You know what I mean, like, so I closed the email. Then I ended up looking back at it again just to see the information. And it said, "Like, hey, if you're interested, I think you have a good story. You're more than welcome to join us. Crazy. Here's all the information." And I kind of got freaked out because there's no other information on this, right? There's there's absolutely nothing available like videos and stuff. And this is also kind of like at that cusp of where everything, you know, makes the Internet, but it's not on the Internet yet. Yeah. So there isn't much information. So through like Facebook groups, I end up uh, tracking down two uh, members, previous members that went. And one of them was uh, the only guy that got back to me was a dude from Brazil. So I remember just making a call to Brazil. I, I'd send him a quick message, say, hey, man, I got selected into this program. I need to know, is this real? Because also, I guess you get to pick which engineer you want to make it into as well. So the only one I recognized was like, you know, a young guru on that. So I'm like, all right, I'll pick that one. And everyone else on the list has had already been there like a couple of times. So this was the first one. And I'm thinking like, yo, what if this is a scam, yeah. right? Because this is like, it's not easy to get to like, the south like that you gotta first i had to like get to paris then i gotta take a three four hour train down there and i'm in the middle of like nowhere you know what i mean so i end up calling the guy in brazil he didn't say much i can understand why and but all he said is yo if you have a chance to do this take my word if it means anything trust me it'll change your life 
Yeah. I said, okay, cool. Uh, I think, I don't know why. It was just very like, I just trusted it, just the way he said it, right? So I said, all right, cool, bro. I'll, I'll look into it. And I ended up like, yeah, doing all the details. I was still nervous as hell when I, when I first got to Paris because um, I'm traveling alone. Yeah. right it's first time like i'm traveling alone and like i'm carrying all this luggage and stuff and it's crazy because the day i land to on a separate train there was like a they caught a terrorist nah. so i'm like oh fuck man if, it, if it's like, on my they're train they're coming like, for you next yeah man. you know what i mean like and it was like something <laughs> about like these u.s soldiers like tackle some guy or whatever but while i was waiting for the train it was i, I kid you not man it was like a fucking movie because i just see like like in my mind, yo, in my mind, there was smoke. Yeah. And out of the smoke is this tall figure with, like, this long-ass, like, hat. And that's the hat I see, like, Guru wearing all the time. So without thinking, I just scream, like, yo, Guru. Right? And he turned around, like, he looked kind of, like, shook, like, who the fuck it is? And he looked at me, and he just gave me one of those, like, I see you, thank you, right? Yeah, just and stay, I'm like, bro, yeah, I'm like, bro, I'm not a fan. So I went up to him and said, yo, you're going to... South, south of france and he's like yeah i'm like yo i'm so and so i'm at the program and it, it kind of like i was relieved and he was i felt like he was a bit relieved too okay cool yeah, like it's a guy that i'm gonna meet getting recognized yeah so friends. but then i was cool because i'm like okay this is real you know yeah. what i mean and he was just by himself because he i'm like yo aren't you traveling with anyone he's like yo i just like really stunning on me he's like yo i just came from uh giving a talk a a, a, a one-day lecture at bmw about sound systems and stuff. So now I'm heading down there. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then I felt cool. And then like, I was like, all right, um, this is real. This is actually happening. Right. So don't fuck this up. Yeah. Now I'm on the train. And then, you know, I, I didn't like talk to him and stuff at first, but eventually we ended up meeting at one part in the train and we just ended up just talking, you know what I mean? Just, and he just telling me stories right off the rip. So I don't know how we ended up on this, but like this, uh. so pretty much I'm saying like this, that trip kind of changed. It really changed my perspective about everything. No, yeah. Like, so that these are very, like we talked, you talked about South by Southwest being a thing that kind of inspired us to make a lot of music. Your trip to France, studying yeah. under Young Guru and even playing some of these songs that you had yeah. made with Noise in yeah. those sessions. Just, just to kind of add on to that, I remember when you were going uh, to France, you're like, we were working on the, the title track, the Lo-Fi Glory record, and yeah. like, we only had one verse in the chorus. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yo, I need you to come up with a second verse before you, before you go. Yeah. So I remember I'm like stressing out. I'm like, God damn, Young Guru's going to hear this verse. He's going to hear this song. I got to write the most fire shit ever. Yeah. Second verse that's on the album is not the one that I wrote, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yo, I'm not going to lie to you. That night, like, I was almost like in tears, bro, because like I'm in this facility, which... My, in my entire visit there, like, I had only seen 30% of it. So I'm just telling you how large it was. Mm -hmm. Most of it is, like, we're living in this, some like, this villa type of thing where, you know, these buildings are, like, from 1800s. So they only have, like, one electric outlet here and there. But then when you get to the back of it is a full state-of-the-art um, studio. Yeah. So we're seeing, like all these top rock bands that I've recorded there and they're showing us which rooms they went to and stuff, right? So we had a session, like, one thing, because over there, like, they just kept bringing us wine nonstop. They're like, yo, the whole, like, our basement is just flooded with this, so it's, it's not an issue. So they continuously bring us wine. So after our, like, day would end, is literally, we just sit in the, 
uh, right outside the studio and like people are just smoking or drinking. That's it. Smoking, drinking, and just eating like ham and whatever those meats. Sounds like uh, one of my dreams. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like literally asking him anything and he's just telling you nonstop. That's yeah. why like when I came back, I honestly felt like you can't, like no one can relate to me right now because no. everything I'm saying. Like, people are just like, no, that's not real. Yeah, it's like being away at music camp with one of the greatest music yeah. engineers that you've idolized yeah. your whole life. This Who the like fuck can relate to you with that? Like, yeah. That is, that's some something that dreams are made of. Like, and this is an engineer that's worked with Jay-Z exactly. and Beyonce like, and bro, Kanye, yeah. Rihanna. Young Guru, if, if you are listening and you don't know who the fuck Young Guru is, Google that name quickly and realize yeah. the, the person that this is. And so, the, so we would have, sorry, we would have these sessions where... Um, and this is this is the other crazy part, right? This place had never had like a like a hip hop session, like a hip hop uh, engineering session. So this is their first time. So the, if you're going to invite somebody from that culture, you have to understand that that culture comes up too. It's not just that person. With that culture comes not being on time, <laughs> doing what we want yeah. for how long that we want, because they're used to having these like older white engineers come in from yeah, like say they we're mix gonna, we're gonna have a lecture at two yeah no 100 percent. 100 percent. that's what it was so they're expecting us like hey uh they used to take us out to the back like this gorgeous back um uh, backyard with like i don't know man like the shit was out of a movie still mm. but they would have like beer and wine and all this stuff set up and it's like okay you guys wind down now and then you know get some rest at 10 yo let me tell you we're drinking. We got really cool with the with the people that were like helping out and stuff. Like because there were students too, right? And they would just bring us wine nonstop from eleven till five in the morning, and we're expected to be at the lunch hall for seven thirty. Mm. So Guru's coming late. I'm coming. <laughs> like all of us are kind of relatively coming late. How are those wine hangovers, man? Fuck bro they were good yeah. they were nothing well, they hit me have real wine they it's real like and it was red bullshit. we just drank red yeah. i've never drank like that in my life and it never hit me so so we would have these sessions and then it's like two in the morning that's when he'll be like now he's kind of like okay the guard is down yo let me play you this let me play you this yeah. so then it turned into yo let me show you um let me uh, let me see what you guys got so all the other engineers right Everybody else was an engineer or they were engineer producer. But a lot of these guys, like super dope guys that I met, like 15 of them from all over the world, that are, they're already in the industry working. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're just telling me all the hardships that comes with it. It's very like cutthroat, man. So they start playing their music and he'll just be in the back vibing and saying, giving some feedback. So I was almost like the last person to go and I had really talked down my shit. Yeah. And let me tell you, when I played, that's the first record I played, uh, bro, no gas. Like, their, their head, like, exploded for that quick second. <laughs> but it was more so, like, they also looked at me and they said, like, yo, you pump faking, bro. Like, your shit's uh, dope. Like, you telling us, like, your shit's all right? Like, no, you pump faking. But it was more so, like, I really took it as, like, like they really, like, stamped me. Like, yo, your shit's dope. Yeah. But I hope you know what you're doing with it and where you can go with it. So they always kind of respected me at that, at that, and just said, "Yo, your shit's dope. Just be like mm. mindful of that and know what you need to do in order for you to move forward." Because it's not just based on one record. Um. So, 
coming off that trip, I feel like that influenced a lot into what you made the album sound like, right? Well, yeah, it wasn't necessarily be- the the inspiration off that trip is what made you make this music towards lo-fi glory, right? The high off of all these trips kind of inspired the both of you to get the 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 ball rolling. Yeah. For South, this project. South by was like a real okay, if that thing that thing happened in France, yeah. and maybe it's a one-time thing, it was like a real validation to go to South by and then you know we played music that no one has heard except just us three. Yeah. And seeing people come up to it and say that, yo, you guys killed it. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is for real. Like, I know what I'm doing. But just just to add on a bit to that, uh, when I came back, like, and this is something, like, I told immediately everyone. I feel like everybody's just looking at me like, I have fucking three heads. Like, whatever, bro. What I learned, the main thing I learned from, from that trip is anything you do, at the end of the day, it's about your product. If you don't have a product, you're dis- you're disposable. That's yeah. all it is. It's that clear. Like it doesn't matter who it is right now. That you know, even even who's the hottest rapper right now. If that person doesn't have a product to de- deliver, okay, back of the line. Yeah. And then you can figure it out. That's why most people, realistically, an artist has like a shelf life of three years max. So when you see them doing the same thing, I also don't blame them because. They also didn't plan for what's next, yeah. and they don't have a product that they can kind of go off of afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, so and they're like, hey, if the, if you know, like the young MA situation, right? She had other records, but because she popped off that one record, we want to hear that same Stephanie shit over and over and over. Yeah, which kind of kind of sucks. So when I came back, it was just funny to see everyone like, yo, we got this song. Trust me, it's gonna blow. And it's like, okay. I remember he t- he told me like. Just keep in mind, like, if you think you have the greatest record in the world right now, I'll put you in a room with Hove, and Hove's going to listen to your shit, and it probably is the best record in the world, and he's going to be like, yo, that's fire. All right, yo, good luck. Peace. And he leaves. What did that do for you? Mm -hmm. What did that do? Because people have this mentality, like, yo, trust me, if this person hears it, I'm out of here. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just learned like a lot of industry game. That's why when I came back, it was more so like I want a product that's timeless. And I know it's going to take us time. We don't have the resources. I don't want to compromise fully. And, you know, sometimes we would have those debates like me and you because you're like, yo, just go with the single route and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, I know I can. But, but Bro, I'm slowly coming around to being fucked single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thing is, but here's the thing. That yeah. single, I feel like that single thing works for certain artists. Yeah, I think it works well for you. It's definitely working for Scotty. Yeah, but yeah. you can't look at Scotty and be like, yo, he did this, this. I'm going to do the same thing. It's mm-hmm. not going to work for you. Yeah. That's why when I came back, I was just like, we have some really solid shit and, you know, through some sheer luck or whatever or whatever is helping us, it's making this thing still kind of timeless Where because we go back to the records yeah. and and they still sound fresh. You know what I mean? Like they don't sound dated. How many songs were you guys in before you before you kind of like, OK, oh, this is lo-fi glory? Because there is such a theme to this fucking album that it's not just, yo, we recorded a bunch of songs. Let's make it lo-fi glory. Like there, you can tell that the theme was set with those early songs. But then you're like, okay, what does this project need? And you guys kind of attack that really 
beautifully with this album. Ten? It, we're, yeah, it, it took a while. So we had like, we were working on, the three of us were working on stuff together. Yeah. And we'd be like, okay, this could be mo- lo-fi, but it doesn't necessarily fit. So we'd save it for something else, for Moving Cool, for some of your stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we were, we were very picky as far as what really fit. Mm-hmm. And I remember sometimes I would, I would have a, I would be like, man, the album really needs like this type of track. And then literally like a week later, Dusty would be like, all right, I got the beat. Exactly what you need to match that type of track. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we were very in sync on that level as far as what we wanted the project to sound like. Yeah. And even thematically what we wanted on the album. But sometimes like it would, I would have to like work on it. Like he knows, like once he finishes his, all his vocals, then I still have to add stuff to it. Yeah. You know, to still complete the record and see how it fits in the bigger scheme like we had that record uh never fully happened like the one with the two beats yeah yeah you know what i mean still like you remember like he was he was rhyming with the hi-hat yeah, yeah. you know what i mean so that never happened it was a dope uh concept but i feel like it was i don't know i just feel like we made better songs mm-hmm. you know what i mean so that one i don't know we could revisit it or something but initially we had i think we had 10 because the ninth record the 10th record um was like an instrumental because i'm like okay if he has all the stuff that's like you know displaying his personality and i think this is before the photography thing got into it Mm -hmm. i had an instrumental and and i was like okay this will be a perfect like uh section in the album where it's just this instrumental and nothing else i don't know if you remember it and it was called and it was very reflective of where i was at that time too it was called uh i'm better than you or something like that oh i'm not better than you or i'm not like you i'm not like you right yeah right so i don't know afterwards i think like when i think once we did the interlude that's when i was like i don't need this beat in here because the interlude (laughs) is sick you know what i mean which is now known as the sickness at the time it ended up replacing the beat interlude another thing before because i want to kind of break down each song but for noise specifically, like this is coming after like Shadow Gallery, Zoo Babies, uh, Degrees of Freedom, the singles, all this. Was there ever a thought of like, because I, I always wonder with artists, like, do they kind of see their their discography as like their timeline? And like, I always wonder like, yo, do like, because with some artists, you see that maturity and it's just based off, yo, they're just talking about this time in their life, right? Did you ever look at, because this is the most personal album you've ever done. Yeah. Was it more so with just sharing what was going on with your life rather than being like, yo, this is who Noise is supposed to be at this point? Um, no, I like when I first started making music, the only thing I wanted to do was like, I want to make an album where I do all the rhymes and I do all the beats. Yeah. That, if I make that one album, I'm good. Yeah. And that was Degrees of Freedom. So after that, I'm like, what do I do now? Like, that was the one goal I had yeah. entering, like, creating music, and I've done it. So where the hell do I go from here? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when, like, I did not know what we were doing. We were just creating to, to do it, right? Like, I had kind of, like, you, you how you saying, like, going to Paris kind of, you know, brought you back alive and made you want to do music again. I feel like working with you kind of made me feel that same way because after Zoo fell apart, I was just like, I don't know what to do, right? Like, everything I wanted to do is done. Yeah. And after Zoo kind of separated, everyone went their own way. I'm like, I have nothing now, right? I have nothing to work towards anymore. And I was going through a lot of shit around that time, too. Like, my, my grandparents had passed away. 
I was kind of going through like the worst of my depression at the time as well. Yeah. And I couldn't write. Like literally I would sit down for hours trying to write, couldn't come up with a single line. And I'm like, I'm done. Nah. You know, I felt like, yo, this is this is over. Like it was it was a good run while it lasted, but I like there was literally a point in time where I'm like, I might not ever write another rhyme again because mm. nothing is coming on this page. And I think the breakthrough I had was actually so two the first two verses on the Speak Now track. Yeah. I wrote those within a twenty four hour period. So both of those verses were written in twenty four hours. And that was the most writing I had done in probably six months. Yeah. And that was when, you know, it kind of broke down a wall and allowed me to to carry on and pick pick the pieces back up. Yeah, like I say that because it's like like I said, this is the most personal I felt you've ever been. And that's something that I've always wanted because I go, there's, you've always been personal to some sense, but it's always coded with heavy lyricism at times, right? Mm. Without like telling you, but if you don't listen to it, you won't hear it. With this one, you can clearly hear topics of everything and it, it's, it doesn't go over your head as, as much as it may have done in the past. And it's, it is kind of, it's kind of refreshing to kind of be like more of your personality is now f- coming through mm-hmm. in these fucking songs. And yeah. Like it, I, I don't even feel like that's like a, a thing that you tried to do. It's just because of the shit that was happening. No, up it, in it, your yeah. life, I right? feel like it happened very organically because, okay, like, okay, I can, you know, when we get into our sessions, we yeah. can just make beats, right? Yeah, we'll just yeah. make loops, like super infectious loops and be like, yo, we're going to rap about this. I feel like eventually you're just going to run out of like that similar type of rap. And now you're like, okay, what else can I chip away at? So mm. I feel like it just kind of like, I don't know, man, somehow very organically these topics kind of surfaced. And, you know, a lot of the time too, like I think like when he's talking about certain stuff, I'm, you know, when we're recording... I'm just listening to how his voice is fitting on the beat. Mm-hmm. I don't always listen to what he's saying. Yeah. It's it's until later I'm doing because I'm just seeing I'm just looking at it from a technical aspect. How is it fitting to the music? Yeah, you know, like it, sometimes he's hitting the pocket. Like because you remember, like you did stuff to vibe before. Yeah. And it sounded cool, but it wasn't it. Like yeah. I did I didn't feel that the way it turned into, which I think the way he came back was so nice, much in pocket, yeah. right? But I think a lot of these topics just kind of came out, but that I feel like that one record was very like a turning point for a lot of things because that was the first time I think he's set all those things, yeah. and that was like, what? Like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> this is it? And I was just glad like he was at that point to do this because that kind of now made me like, okay, maybe I can push him more and say, how do you feel over here? How do you feel? Which I feel like he kind of already did that with I Gotta Love. Yeah. That's still a personal, like, it's like a personal love letter. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's not like a, not like the other ones where he's, he's talking about the pain and stuff. But I thought that was a big stretch for him to really, like, expand out on his previous uh, record. No, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sense of maturity and as an artist, right? Like, you may not have been realizing it while you were making this project, but now looking back at it, all, all that self-reflecting is done through these records. And now me, like, you know, the, seeing being there as a friend through all those years and then now kind of seeing all these songs individually, but now listening back to it, it perfectly summarizes what the fuck was going on these past years, right? Yeah, so it was like, 
that yeah. that first those two verses that I wrote in that 24 hour span that was kind of like you know it opened a floodgate to yeah. like you were saying like it was probably the first time that I had tried to address these issues not even just through music but just in life like I didn't have these conversations with anybody else yeah. and that was kind of when like music was always that place where I would have these conversations that I didn't know how to have with other people in person but I feel like with this album in particular that was like a lot of the topics that came up, whether it was about death or whether about mental health or about divorce or alcoholism or whatever that came up, this was like the first time I had talked about it. Yeah. And like you were saying, like just maturity and feeling more comfortable talking about it and being like, okay, yeah, things aren't good, but they're not going to get better unless we do something about it. So I, I think his, uh, just in addition to that, I think this is also like, his best project songwriting wise oh definitely right because it's one thing that yeah he's we know what he's able to do with Mm -hmm. words and stuff but the songwriting i feel like i don't think there's other stuff that he's done to this level where the songwriting's on a different level because the same guy that opens the album and you know how that is the way he you know then finesses and gets through to like vibe don't lie to like fucking the first yeah. did you ever think like you would hear him on a record like no. that and that's, <laughs> that, that's kind of like the maturity goes both ways the maturity is shown through self-reflection on the album but the maturity as a fucking artist yeah in the sense of when you hear the fucking the the hook writing and the, yeah. the structure of, of songs now sounding like radio songs yeah to still being able to fucking bar you to death. Yeah. But it has a little bit of everything, and that is that is pretty much the artist side of maturing. So it's a it's a it's a balance of both. It's, yeah. it's a balance of of him of him having realizations of where his life is at, but it's, but it's also him realizing that yo, I need to be a superior artist and I need to you know, sharpen the steel in in different ways because yo, the, everybody since day one knew that he's a better rapper than everybody. But okay, so but it's like okay, how can we make this polish? But we've 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 had these discussions way before oh, of that course. even actually during that twenty one gram thing, right? I I kind of took on this like trip on my shoulder on his behalf because yeah. you know we would have conversations with people and they really labeled him as like this type of rapper but he yeah. can only do this so but what we're trying to do we need this type of rapper it's like are you what's wrong with you bro it doesn't work like that like he's a great artist nonetheless so that's when okay we we try to balance it out with how do we make it more palatable at that time we bring you know we have scott you know dope lyricist songwriter and he really him and noise for a weird reason they they complement each other really well mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i feel like his and your chemistry is totally different from his and Scott's chemistry, but it Definitely. works. Because I know when Scott hears his stuff, he gets super inspired, and he can write around his stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's what it's about. It's not about who can outdo the other person. So I was like, yo, I'm going to get this guy in 21 grams. Like, and you know the type of beats we're making. It was like, how can I keep it like underground but still have like that just blaze shit on it like the kanye shit on it so it's still like the strongest b cut possible a and just have him do his stuff but i think that was like the mindset in 21 which then kind of got carried on into the soundscape of lo-fi okay so we're gonna get into each song 
uh, pretty much I want to listen to each song and then we'll kind of break them down song by song, right? Um, so this album starts off pretty fucking hectic with uh, Flight or Fail. Open my eyes and rising, woke up my soul and I've been Applying pressure, guess I'm refining my colon diamonds Learning as newer scholars, earning pursuing honors Grew up in bluer collars and knew what we do for dollars It's turn to giving the greater, taking the low fi And making the most by, aiming the scope high Shoot for the stars, I'm off in pursuit for the cause No running from shortcomings, finding truth in the flaws In my ear I'm hearing Lucifer's calls On the side I'm hearing the cries of an angel like it's music through walls <laughs> so this clearly sets a tone of what the fuck is about to happen on this album like yeah you right away you're like nah we ain't smoothly gonna go into shit we're gonna drop kick everybody right off the <laughs> bat and just bar them to death um was the when you made this did you know this is how the album's gonna start i knew yeah when i found I, that sample yo yeah. do you remember when you when you first heard it the first heard the beat yeah I wasn't crazy about the beat the first time I heard it. Really? Uh, yeah. No way. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'm sorry. Yeah. So when did you come around? Probably, I would have easily yeah. taken this beat <laughs> off your hands, my G. <laughs> I think like, like you said, it's a process. Like you do the, the vocals on the loop and then when it sounds after production, it's not the same when you initially do it. Yeah. So initially it was just the loop and I'm like, okay, the loop is cool. But then you added different effects to it and then I started like paying attention to how you did certain things with the hi-hats and with the kicks and the snares. Because, like, the, the kick is only at the beginning of the first bar. And then yeah. there's no kicks for, like, the next two bars. I'm mm -hmm. like, I've never heard that on a beat before. Yeah. Like, just little things like that. Was, how, like, how far were you guys into the album when this was made? I think it's the far, last man. song we did. Really? This is the last song of The Sickness. Those two were the last two. I yeah. can't remember which one was last. Because, yo, the thing the is, like, okay, I, I remember, like, we'll have discussions where, you know, sometimes he'll he'll take some time writing some stuff and when it's done then it's like okay yo when can we get this thing done and it's like i can't come up with it tomorrow i gotta sit on it yeah. because things change right and also like yeah he's right because a lot of the times like if i find something we'll just loop it up first and i always pitch it like yo just remember this will change <laughs> so right to it but I'll, I'll promise i won't change it that much and you know how it is well yeah you'll the from what I'm comfortable with with working with you is usually a, a beat starts with a very simple loop and yeah. and then the second you kind of see where we're going with it yeah. writing wise you'll build a beat around that yeah. so it's like it starts with a loop and an essential idea but then you will ultimately build that track around whatever we come up with as we right. go kind of thing right and yeah that was that was the same concept I know when when I heard the the sample I was like this has to be the intro like me personally, like I'm a big sucker for like, like intros on albums. If is that, you're, is that horns? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Why'd you yo, say like Nori? You can't go wrong with horns <laughs> on an intro. Bro. Cause yo, like I I love albums with big intros. Oh, Even yeah. if the album is trash, I will personally save it just off the intro. No, word to Meek Mill, you know I mean? yo, intros yeah, matter. no like intros matter. They word set the DMX. tone. Yeah, we're the yeah. lot of motherfuckers. Intros are. Yeah, they 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 really set the tone. And the whole, you know, soundscape of the no, album. Literally, the first note I wrote to this is this sets the perfect tone. Yeah. What the fuck is about to happen? Because it's you. really brash. It's in your face. It's not like your regular drum pattern. And it's just, it's still, you know, we're still from the loop era, man. I'm not going to change that. So no. at the end of the day, it is a loop, but 
there's still like a lot of elements in it that we've kind of sprinkled that around. What is noise before the beat drops? That's um. Uh, is it a flash? Yeah, it's a flash when right? it charges. You know when you yeah, once yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, this guy's which which photography? <laughs> yeah, this. no, which again tying it back yeah, to the no, whole photography sense. side of it too, right? No, which yeah. also oddly started in the same trip I had um, uh, the mix of the masters with. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's a there's a lot like the theme of everything being said there is pretty much the theme of this album. Yeah, that's why like I kind of sense that you wrote this later because like now keeping track of like because these songs were recorded all over the place, right? And they yeah. changed constantly through these years, right? So it's like it's hard for me to remember when certain shit was done. Yeah, but like this is like the more I thought about it, I'm like this is everything that's about to happen right now yeah. and i really fuck with that like now listening back to it and but it really kind of works out because i remember telling him like sometimes like to the degree of our communication is like yo just fuck this track up like yeah. talk your <laughs> shit let him know who the fuck you are what yeah. we're about to do and stuff and you know he'll come back with something which is still very yeah. like nice no, it's remember, it's I dope mean, but he's not gonna say I fuck remember, you right yeah. <laughs> i remember us having those funny conversations where we're just like yo just diss somebody yeah. on this album because we were just like yo we need that noise confidence to come out because noise has that shit when we have our little like our little studio session combos like yeah. he'll he'll do that non-filtered tell you how he means right but we were like yo that that little bit of arrogance that we know that he has in a funny way in our personal lives is like yo showcase that shit <laughs> and it's like you you kind of without being a fucking arrogant snob you kind of shit on everybody yeah. <laughs> without being arrogant I, you're arrogant i think i think what i learned from making like these intro type records towards the like say 80 percent of the album is i think like indirectly he ends up recapping and foreshadowing a lot of things that are going to happen which is like i don't think he planned did you, you didn't plan on doing that but the way you're no. talking about stuff it's like you're gonna get a piece of that Yo, track and, seven and that's the thing I, I i kind of felt that way and like pieces throughout different verses on this album could easily be be on different verses because reoccurring themes are constant throughout right, this whole right. album like whether it's one bar or whether it's a, a 16 that you know might be talking about something different than what the main topic of a song is right yeah. like it, it's consistent throughout that's why it's like this will let you know exactly what is about to happen in the next eight songs after it right yeah, yeah. i had to write the whole album in order to write this basically yeah. yeah and i feel like that that was a good sense like Intro shouldn't be the first song you're writing unless you have such yeah. a, a grasp of what the concept is already going to be, right? Um, a line that kind of stood out for me, and I do apologize if I didn't get it 100%, right? Yeah. And you might just correct me if I did say anything wrong. But at that, t it's literally what you ended off with. And it's the open my eyes and rising, whether we 9 to 5 or enterprising. Yeah. And still finding me... Spit it, yo. <laughs> still, still fine. Are we improvising? Yeah. Yeah. But so made my way through grinding day to day, providing, redefined it, and made an art form out of surviving. Yeah. Like, mm. no, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, n noise has always been like, wow. Like, it always took me a few listens to understand the fucking genius that is there, right? But because a lot of the time your flows are so fast and this and that, 
sometimes when I take the time to like write it down and look back at it is when I fucking realize that the genius within fucking however many bars that ending is is fucking more than what you can hear in most people's songs. There's no fillers. Like I always like what I like about his stuff, and it's cr- it's crazy too because. There are a couple of beats on there which are very inspired by when I heard certain Pusher records. They don't sound like the Pusher records I heard, but I was directly inspired by them because what I like about him is every like word selection is important too. Yeah. And his is the same way too. There's nothing like, you know, just a filler thing to let me get to the next thing. It's like, it's like a brick house, you know what yeah. I mean? One by one by one, he's individually put in there. Um, you know, I, I, I think... As dope as the intro is, I always, like, I just, the part I always look forward to is that the phone call part. Yeah. <laughs> because that, whatever he's talking about is real. You know what I mean? And just, like, I just had the idea of putting the phone call of actually, like, the devil calling. Yeah. Always gives me chills, man. Every <laughs> time I listen to it. That last line that you're talking about, so, like, yeah. made an art form out of surviving. It's just, like, how we kind of just goes back to my writing process throughout the album. It's like, how do we turn that struggle that we all go through individually, how do we turn that into something better? How do we turn yeah. that into art, essentially, right? So whatever I was going through at that time period as I was writing, my way to survive through it was by turning it into art. So that line was kind of like the stamp on it. Like, this is what the project's about. Okay, let's get into song two. Yeah. Title song. Uh, title of the song is Lo-Fi Glory. That's obviously the title track. It's uh, to me, it transitions really well off the first track as well. Everything is still very hard hitting, very murky. Um, it doesn't remain that way, but it, it's it's the way that you enter into this album. So I felt like Lo-Fi Glory. It's it's the perfect second song to be there when you when you look at the body of work. Um, was it always gonna be the title track? I think so. When when you were working on the beat tape. There's certain records that you would play where I'm like, I really want to ask him for that one, but I know he's <laughs> going to say no, right? Yeah. So this is one of those beats. I'm like, I'm just going to ask. He's probably going to say no, right? So yeah. I how, think, did it, how did it become the title, though? I think I just wrote to it and like, I led into the chorus. With the, like, I wrote the first verse, right. and the first verse led right into the hook, and it just worked. That's, I, uh, personally, that's still my like, top five noise verses. It's very like true to who he is, but it's still very different. First verse or second? First verse of Lo-Fi. And it's like, you can fucking see the picture. Yeah. That's, yeah. I always see it, like, when he's talking well, about that's it. Well, that's the thing. It's like, first verse is the, the <clears throat> more so of the storytelling uh, side of yeah. the song. Um, did that kind of just, did that set the pace for the song? Or what, like... How did this kind of concept come once you had this beat in your hands? Yeah. So we, we had talked about that idea, like the title, Lo-Fi Glory, yeah. and what it meant to us. And what did it mean to you guys at that moment? So it's kind of like the, the juxtaposition of the two terms. We have like Lo-Fi 
which things are like very grainy, things are, you know, poor equipment. Like that's what you kind of associate lo-fi music yeah. with. And then you have that phrase next to a word like glory. So no. you have like one word that's kind of down, one word that's up. And the way we kind of incorporated that or like adapted that term was to kind of represent how you can create something great from whatever struggle you're going through, whatever hardship you're going through. And just like from a music perspective, you don't need all the resources in order to make something great, in order to achieve that glory. So with that, I tried to paint two different pictures. So the first one, fictional character of like a graffiti artist who's growing up, you know, in a rough neighborhood, seeing a lot of things around him. But through that, it kind of affects his artwork and he's able to use his art for a different purpose and create something greater. And then the second verse, I kind of put my own spin on it. So talking about, you know, growing up, when I first started writing rhymes, that was around the same time when, you know, my mom had got really sick. Yeah. I was around 12 years old at the time. Um, And yeah, like there was a point in time where the doctors were like, yo, we don't know if she's going to make it. Mm -hmm. And that was the, you know, when I really started to explore writing and what I could do with writing. So sorry to cut you off, but like one of the lines that like, cause I, within like analyzing this album, I I just kind of wrote down lines that kind of affected me when I heard them. Right. Mm. So one of those for this song was the, the line, like penning lyrics after hospital visits. And I could, I could only find self by losing myself myself in it. it. Yo, that's a crazy line. That is a fucking wild line. That's a crazy line. But it's like, can you kind of, what's the, like the mentality behind that line? Mm. Sorry, just to like add in on that. Remember, he already had a verse. Yeah. So when I'm hearing certain things and they sound good as is, yeah. and you're like, yo, I'm going to change this, it's like, come on, bro. Just <laughs> leave it. Yeah. So when he came back with that one, I'm like, yo, he made the right choice. But you can imagine what was already written, you know, well, that I was sold on. Then he so, was like, yo, trust me, I can take it to another level. That's the thing, though. Anytime we hear anything from noise, we're like, yo, it's yeah. good enough. Like, bro, how hard <laughs> do you want to kill this thing? Yeah. But the thing is, he has that ability to go even further. Yeah, right? yeah. So with that, with that second verse. So, just going back to the whole the whole thing in France, we had the first verse, we had the chorus, the beat, and then I had to write the verse because you were leaving. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I gotta have the second verse so we can have a full song. Show it to Guru. So the second verse that's on the album is not the one that you went to France with. No, no, yeah. yeah. So you came back. And but it didn't feel right. Like I wrote that verse and we recorded it, but it just it didn't sit right. Yeah. So I wanted to draw like a parallel between the first verse and the second verse, and that's when you know I started talking about my own experience. And yeah, like that was the the time period. Like a lot was going on at that time. We had just moved. Like yeah. we left from Malton, came to Brampton. So you know, we left from an area where. You know, I lived with my grandparents, lived with my uncle. My other uncle was literally a block away. So we had a lot of family support in Malton. But in Brampton, we were the only ones out there. Mm-hmm. So it was just like that isolation and that loneliness. Yeah. And then on top of that, like my mom was in the hospital. So literally we'd come home from school. Dad's working late. Mom's in the hospital. It was like, it was just me and my sister, right? Mm-hmm. So that's when I really started to explore writing and explore music more. And, so, you know, it was like we'd come home from school. My dad would take us to the hospital. We go see our mom, and then it's like to kind of deal with those emotions and to just like deal with that helplessness and that isolation. I would come home and I would like just listen to music, or I would try to write my own music to try to process some of those emotions. So, it, like the the reason because it's it, like the explanation, like you can understand what you're saying very clearly through the line, right? Yeah. It's, it's but that's the thing. It's like 
the simplicity of the line, but I could never ever put it the way you put it. Yeah. Like it's it's simple, but it's, it's heavy. such an intricate, heavy fucking line. Yeah. But it's when it's written down and it's taken away from everything else. Yeah, it's anybody could say that, but only only somebody like Noise would put it in that way. It's <laughs> when when it's I was, for me like the title like when I came up with the title was literally like you know like the soundscape was changing. Everybody shitted on Fruity Loops and now everybody makes beats on Fruity Loops and yeah. stuff. So everything sounded like super mechanical. Yeah. And I just felt like, okay, I got this like drum machine, but like nobody's using drum machines now. Mm. But I always got like, yo, your shit just sounds different coming out of there. Yeah. So I was like, okay, my style of production where I want to take it is I want to take it to that still like that soulful, you know, straight up dirty loops and stuff. But mm. I also had access to like all these synthesizers I was buying at the time. So I'm like, yo, I can merge these two sounds and I feel like I'm getting the low gritty side of it and I'm getting the real lush sounds from the synths. Yeah. And that kind of to me has like that lo-fi glory moment on it. Mm -hmm. But it was crazy because like as we started just vocalizing it and kind of seeing it. So it started on the beat side first. So I was making these beats like even when you listen to the record, like the drum sounds super dirty. Yeah. Right. But everything else is like dark, but it has like a real nice like richness to it. Yeah. But it still sounds very grimy, right? Yeah, like it has that like when I like I, I the word that I always like to use is it's that murky, right? It's yeah. like that murky gray waters, right? Right. It, it has dirt on it. You can these first two songs, the production production of it, yeah, it's crazy. It's hard hitting. But it's nasty. It's not. It's not colorful. Yeah, it's yeah. Fucking. It's dark, right? But it's. It is. It, it fits perfectly with what is what is going on. Yeah. With the lyrics as well, and that's like I, like another thing that I had written here in my notes is like the hard hitting drums mixed with those with those organs. It just creates a vibe for the song. It's it's. Yeah. It, like I said, it it creates. I don't even that think darkness. they're organs. Well, they sound like fucking like, organs, I, I know accordion, it's, some shit like It's that. like two types of bass and like, uh, like, I don't know, like bells. But it's like a really like um, bell with a heavy reverb on it. It kind of sounds like, I don't know, when I heard it, it just sounded like, I don't know why I thought of icicles or some yeah. shit. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> One more line that actually sticked out in this song that I kind of, I think is another thing that beautifully kind of just like, there's so many lines that you could just write as the explanation of this album. And one of them to me was like, pursuing beauty, making do with the given. This is that glory, that lo-fi lo glory. glory. Like that yeah. is, if this was a fucking movie, you know how they always have that one line that somebody yeah. wrote about this movie? <laughs> That's what the fuck would be on the headline of this movie poster. Yeah. Like, yo, uh, fucking noise says that this is so-and-so. <laughs> Like, that is such a fucking crazy line, no? Am yeah. I the only one wilding yeah. about this shit? Like, it's because, yeah, as, as, you know, as artists, you're trying to create the best thing you can, but you might, like, to make music requires resources. Yeah. But to acquire those resources takes money that we might not have, right? Yeah. So, basically, you're trying to do the best that you can with whatever it is you have. Mm -hmm. And so that line is just kind of speaking to that, because, like, this entire album was recorded at Dusty's house. Like, we didn't do this in a proper studio yeah. right and these were on like beat machines he was he had uh he had purchased or like keyboards he had borrowed and like records that he had bought for like a dollar and you know just like whatever we could find to put yeah. towards the music we would make it work like also like every record came from different machines 
it mm. wasn't like just everything came out of one program yeah. there you know like the keyboard i have on this is a, is a keyboard i've only used maybe like six seven times but the main shit that came out of there was this record but I see it as a scenery for people to rise And we're the tribe, we just keeping the vibe City on the way, feel it in the air No, it ain't real if the feeling isn't there Telling me, hey, the vibe, the vibe, the vibe don't lie The vibe, the vibe, the vibe don't lie It's all energy, here's what it is And all that you get is what you give Telling me, hey, the vibe, the vibe, the vibe don't lie I still can't believe I made this beat. <laughs> <laughs> wow, right? It's a different tempo now for the album, right? Like, yeah. this is where, like the more uplifting. And I feel like even like it sets a little bit of a funky tone to it, right? It's like, oh, it's, they can go there too. Yeah, it's like, mm. okay, like I said, it's I was seeing dark, but now all of a sudden you're adding color to it, like right? neon lights. Yeah, like this is some fucking... Bootsy calling shit up in this <laughs> yeah. motherfucker all of a sudden. Like, yeah, when Dusty played the beat, the, fr the first thing that popped in my head, I'm like, yo, I want to, my approach to this, I wanted to rap like Big Boy on this. Yeah. So I remember when I was writing the verses to it, I was just listening to Flip Flop Rock. Okay. Because it had that same tempo yeah, to yeah. it, right? Similar tempo. So I wanted to rap like Big Boy when I was on this That's track. a very underrated track, Flip Flop Rock. Yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, like, um, like, one thing I have in my notes is, like, I remember that Dusty was obviously keeping you in your element, but also trying to do things to kind of get you outside of the shit that you're comfortable with. To yeah. be like, yo, can noise possibly do this? Yeah. And I remember with this beat, it was just like, what the fuck is he going to do to this? Because, yeah. like I said, it's not your typical noise beat, but it ends up being probably one of the greater songs on this album. Was it hard at all for you to e either come up with the vibe of this song? Not No pun intended, <laughs> but like, like, um, how, like how, where did it start with this song? I think there was a couple times where Dusty would throw me some beats for this project and I felt like he was testing me <laughs> to some degree. Give you a random <laughs> trap beat? Yeah, I just like threw some beats. It's like, yo, what can you do to this? <laughs> And because I think people kind of, I, I, I guess they get pigeonholed to some extent where everyone's like, oh, he's just the boom bap guy, right? Yeah. Which is cool. I love that. I do that all day. But I definitely wanted to, to see what else I could do, what other sounds I could explore. And like you mentioned, even with songwriting, like I wanted to come up with hooks. I didn't want to just be the guy who would write long verses or, you know, have songs with just scratching on the chorus. Like yeah. I wanted to push myself as a songwriter. And so this is one of those beats where I felt like it was a test and I definitely had to step outside of my comfort zone and try something entirely different in order to, to match that challenge. Um, in the sense of the process of this song, <coughs> was there a hook? Did you write verse first, then hook? Uh, and then when did like the idea of bringing Tremaine on this song, it fits perfectly to me, but it's like, you know, like... I could see with the beat you guys picking somebody like Tremaine, but it's like, like the finished product is beyond what you would think it would even sound like. I, I picked, I picked Tremaine because like I was trying to find a place to put Tremaine on it. Yeah. Almost everyone on the album, like once he's done like the first verse or like he, once he sits in the beat, 
then it kind of opens it up for like, where can I take this record? So the first thing I do is, okay, now how do I attack the hook? How do I do this? Because once I do the hook, then I send it to him, then he starts writing the hook. Yeah. Then we go through what works. And then sometimes we just sit on it and it's like, it'd be sick to hear this voice on it or this voice on it. You know what I mean? And this, given the tempo and just like it sounds a bit unorthodox, like mm -hmm. I just felt like Trey would be the best one. Yeah, and I, I remember, were, were you even there yeah. when he recorded? I wasn't there when he recorded. Yeah. But I remember uh, like I recorded both verses, recorded the hook, and then you were just like, nah, I need something else. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that was it. And also... There's a hidden noise verse for this somewhere? <laughs> no, no, no. He he might have changed it, but I don't... This is the one like he did a hook. He wrote a different hook. Yeah. I was somewhere. Yeah. Because you sent it to me. Like, yo, I recorded this. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I, I was out somewhere. I, maybe this was probably when I went to Paris during the whole photography run because mm. you sent me like a couple of records and this was one of them you're like yo i wrote this hook it was a cool hook but i feel like it wasn't to this level mm -hmm. you know what i mean it was like very like simple and like chanty and stuff yeah so when we came back and he did the hook the way he did the hook was like okay i think i can get someone on it and stuff yeah so yeah trey was just like perfect that's what and we know how trey is on records yeah. he doesn't like to be on like traditional records, yeah. he wants to be himself. That's why Trey's he runs be over. Trey, right? And yeah. That, but that's kind of what you needed on this song. Yeah. Just somebody to you know. This shit sounds like a train robbery. Like th that's yeah. what I would bring Trey <laughs> Trey in for, man. No, for sure. Um, also, like, um, um, with this, with this song, like, noise. Doesn't sound like noise even on this record, right? Like but he, he sounds like noise. No, That's a crazy part. Of course, right? Yeah. It, it's obviously it's still noise. It's still authentic to the person that he is. Yeah. But it's just like he rolled that motherfucking beat just like fucking just like uh, our homie Trey did as well. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's yeah. like, but they all they come at it at two separate an uh, angles, but it comes together smoothly. Yeah. Another thing is this is. Obviously, on Lo-Fi Glory, you have a hook and everything on that one, too. But this is the first time where it feels like a complete commercial song without even having any of the elements of a commercial song. Yeah. yeah. Was that kind of in your head, like, yo, I need more shit that is, like, structured like the real shit? Because hip-hop, there's no structure really for us, right? We can do whatever the fuck we want, but there's always in the back of your head knowing that, yo, this many verses, they should have a hook. And yeah. this is a catchy hook. But it's not. It, it seems watered down, but there's there's substance to this hook just as much as anything else as well. I think when I was when I was writing the hook, this was after we went to South by, and I'd seen a lot of other artists perform like like Low Key, and like Scotty, and just other artists that we met in um, in, in Texas, and I that's when I really discovered like the importance of the chorus to the live performance setting, because like people could never hear a song before, but. If your chorus has that chant aspect to it, you can win people over. That's all they'll remember. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and that, like, that actually goes to one thing that I wanted to talk about and I kind of missed on the last song is you had the ability to actually test out a lot of these songs doing live performances. Yeah. So I mean, you guys actually, we actually did this when we did the show with Stay Out Late. I think you guys did this song that day, no? At the Drake Hotel. It was right. the day that we handed out the, the, the Moving Cool or the... The Brampton Underdog T-shirt. Okay, yo, I do remember yeah. that. I remember that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, 
like uh, they went ham with with this song. You got to perform it that day, and I saw people yeah. went ham, and like that was off the energy of two great performers like Noise and Trey as well. But even the sense of Lo-Fi Glory, Lo-Fi Glory's been in our run for the last fucking two years, wherever yeah. we've performed, and just like seeing the reaction to these songs of performing them before they've ever even been put out and seeing the reaction to that shit. Did that kind of give you any like, like verification to these songs, like validity, like that these yeah. songs are actually good and it's not just us in the fucking studio thinking <laughs> they're great songs? Like, Yo, that's the that's the the fear. Every time you create something in the studio and you're excited about it, you're like, you know, you have that excitement, but then you go out to perform it and it doesn't connect, and yeah. it's like, damn, is this like, am I not creating something that, you know, is good to the level that I think it is? But with those two records, like with Lo-Fi Glory and with Vibes, I remember Vibes in particular, the first time I did it with Tremaine, like by the time we finished, people were still chanting the chorus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? So that just kind of gave me that extra validation. Like, okay, we've, like, we got something special here. Just before we move on to the next song, like some standout lines for me, like this is fucking retarded, yo. Mick Foley showed me how my mankind <laughs> would wear a mask. Yo, that's a Are crazy line. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Bro, I'm like, I heard, I've been hearing that line, but today I was just like, yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, yo, where were you when when you first heard this record? Like, how or did I play you this beat? Did I say this like you can have this? This is one of those records that you guys wouldn't play very often <laughs> because I don't know what you guys went really secretive at one point. And nah, I, feel like I don't know about that. That's when this record was out. Cause you guys stopped showing me shit after a while. That's not true. And no, uh, and then this was this was somewhere at that point. I remember hearing it once you guys had the Travers, but oh, I never okay, heard okay, it okay, early okay. at all. Okay. Yeah, cause you know what, I did do things where if we had discussed something, yeah. if he didn't come to the session, I really want to take it to a after Trey's verse. Let me take it to the next level before yeah. I present it to him, because I am at the end still responsible for completing that record yeah, yeah. but also figuring out how is it going to mesh with everything else i'm For so sure. glad like this isn't just a record that you know didn't fit the project yeah you know what i mean so for sure. Also, the way fucking Trey comes in on this, like, I ain't yeah. afraid of the way that they talk about me. me. I walk out of the fire with fire inside my eyes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is the perfect Trey line. Like, yo, the motherfucker just comes with the ultimate arrogance. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck about you. Like, that shit to me was the funniest <laughs> shit. Like, I love that line. Yo. It was yeah. dope as fuck. Like, those were the two fucking lines in the song. Like, you, you can count numerous lines, but that shit was like, yo, I, fu I fuck with both those lines yeah. so heavy. Yo, I don't know when he says, like, if it ain't your beef, don't get involved. His <laughs> <No>. delivery <laughs> on the line, too. No, and then yeah. another yeah. thing that I'd wrote down in my notes, I'm like, it's very, this is like, you can see it in a lot of Trey's work, but this was the most evident of Kanye's influence and in who the fuck yeah. he, he wants to be as an artist. <laughs> Like, this was a very Kanye verse yeah. of, I'm going to be the fucking motherfucker I am, and I'm going to be unapologetic yeah. about he's it. He's really, his. I feel like he's so brash on it, yeah. but he's so in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh. you have no choice but to be like, I want to hear everything he's saying. Okay. Yo, bro, he's, he's not even fucking 16 bar verse. He went over. <laughs> he went over. He was like 18. He went over. How many? Is it 18, 18 or 20? 18. Yeah. That's why part, beginning of his hook is cut, but it works so well. 
You know what I mean? In his head, he was counting 16, but it turned out 18. <laughs> but we just got lucky the way his vocals like just snapped right it after fits. his verse. Like, I, can't, I couldn't tell whatsoever. Yeah. So. All right. So song number four, Cowbell. Yes. Introduces a very important character. <laughs> Principal, Principal Magic. Magic, yo. Coming out of nowhere. <laughs> Both hands clusty. Dusty on the beat. The speech, what it must be. Man, I'm just me. Never was a crack dealer, mass killer who traps and raps hella rusty. No hate though, hope they stay fed. Rappers living the gimmick though, kayfabe's dead. The melee spread, we enter the ring. Then intended to bring a change in the same pendulum swing. Take aim, then ascend to the king. But the tread close, see the tears and sweat, we bled both. Learn most from those who broke bread when dead broke and praise the pain the bread broke. So we toast to the build. It's the ones who show I feel like this is the uh, vibes don't lie. You, it, it goes from dark, murky to a little bit more color, funky. And then I feel like this song, it kind of has that jazz influence, right? Yeah. You have that switch of, you go from cowbell, hard-hitting drums to all of a sudden the smoothest fuck jazz transition that I remember when I even heard this beat, I'm just like, what the fuck is noise going to do on this? Because <laughs> I was just like, I thought to myself, like, this is really challenging as an artist to write to this because it's all ultimately two vibes on the same song and it's what well, how many bars is it each uh it switches after eight eight, eight, eight. yeah so it's like an eight eight yeah right? so it's like a break beat so it just sounds like a raw like you know rap record and then it just gets into some fucking yeah. soul but i think shit. like noise did a really oh yeah good job at like creating that change in his flow whenever the beat was kind of changing he was there when i made this yeah i was li- i was sitting beside him as he made this beat and i remember you had to remake it yeah Cause the um, you know the part where you hear like the thing slowing down. Yeah. That was actually like I was playing the record, and slowing it down at that point. And you know like you know our sessions, I always do stuff and it sounds right, and then I always delete it thinking, yeah, I can do it again. Yo, that shit <laughs> took me forever to get that sa- like the similar, uh, just wind down that fit on beat. Yeah. But he was there, so we kind of had this idea like, yo, let's. I always wanted, like, we, we, we always, like, it, like it's crazy how the records turned out, but we always talk about, like, yo, we got to have a record where you're just, you're just kind of going off and going off, you know? So it was like, okay, so how do we feed both sides, right? You can have a, there's a breakbeat side, which is so different. And also, like, like I don't know, last time I heard a cowbell, like, in a rap yeah. record like that. <laughs> so it fit well, and but then let's bring it back to, you know, something jazzy, soulful, and it sounds completely different and i don't yeah. i don't even i don't even know if they're at the same tempo or maybe once a bit higher or lower but it just worked man but he yeah. was there so when i initially intercepted the idea like i think he uh, he already seen where it was gonna go yeah, yeah. no i definitely yeah. like the one thing that stands out is you finding the pockets within an ever-changing beat right yeah. and i don't know like what was your like how did you feel like you had to tackle this song once you heard that beat I remember this was one of those songs where I was like, we were talking about it, like, yo, I just need a track where I can just go off for a yeah. long verse. And then literally like a week later, he made that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, all right, this is perfect. Like it had that breakbeat feel to it, very stripped down. So I just wanted to pen as many dope bars I could cram into a verse. Um, so the approach was just like, let me just say some fly shit in every line, like ignorant on some lines, like, Conscious in some lines, bragging in some lines, punchlines in other lines, just like as much content as you could fill in there. 
Um, so my approach was just like, as a lyricist, just show off on this one. Yeah, and it yeah. had that it had that fun vibe as well, right? It's yeah. it's that yo, let's that enjoyful part of hip hop with that you know the the theme of that being in a like it makes you feel like yo, this motherfucker just stands up in front of a class and just goes yeah. off, you know? Like it's it's a very uh, you get the you get the sense of what what, what the fuck is going on in this song. Um, one line that kind of stuck out was uh, "Shut the fuck up, Timmy or Tommy." <laughs> so no, but no. I also had that written down. I'm like, I'm like, is this what Tommy's been missing this yeah. whole time? I'm like, <laughs> this what you've been missing, Tommy? You know, this we, what you've been missing? To, to, there's a lot of Tommies out there that's gonna be like, this is what I've been missing. <laughs> so I feel like that line is gonna be hold huge impact. Yeah. But um, thinking outside the box, so the only time I'm in the so the only time I'm in it is closed caskets. Yeah. That's a fucking dope line, yo. It's a bumper sticker. I know, right? <laughs> but it's like these things are just hidden within all these fucking gems, right? Yeah. And it's like now when I kind of sat back and kind of took my time with these songs, I'm just finding these lines that are like, think about that. That's fucking, that's not even a full bar right there. Yeah. yeah. But it's like that affected me so much just reading that now again, like. There, there's simplicity, but there's intricacy in all these lines. And I feel like that's something that you've tapped into within this album that I, you've done it previously, but I feel like you've consciously put it into yourself being like, no, I'm not going to let these guys pigeon, pigeonhole me into all this bullshit and let them just think I'm going to bar you to death. Like, mm. I'm going to even make it simple for you so you can catch it, you dumb motherfuckers. <laughs> but you're going to still yeah. feel the wrath of my, you know, mind in the way that it comes up with this shit. So. And uh, what I like about the record is, like, it's not just, yeah, there's no hook or anything, right? He's technically rapping, but the whole record is an experience. No. It's not like it's the same loop going on. And every switch and even with your commentary at the beginning and at the end it just has like it's like you're walking and you just walked into a crowd you just heard a bunch of conversations and you walked out and you're like yo what the fuck did i just hear you know what i mean so mm -hmm. all right song five i gotta love to Espo, man. Yeah. He really solidified the vision. <laughs> when I got that mix back, I was like, bro, this is exactly the yeah. sound I need. Like, the way the bass sits, the kick, everything. Like, yo, you're the man. Like, please. I remember this board. was the first record that we got fully mixed back. Yeah. yeah. And I heard it, and then I think, Dusty, you texted me. You're like, how's this sound? I'm like, yo, I sound like a fucking star on this yeah. record. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was so crisp. Yeah. 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 And it was crazy because, so I, I met Espo at that, uh, um that you know we camp with young guru and he was maybe one of one or two of the only guys out of the bunch that was doing a lot of like you know like that traditional like old school style hip-hop he still mixes everything else you can think of yeah. but his heart is still in that so when i was also naturally just playing beats and stuff it was a lot up his alley and he was just you know at that 
point we're looking at like, yo, I'll send you stuff because, you know, like the I forget the name, like the type of uh, uh, rap they do out in Australia. But he's like, yo, I have these artists. They're looking for these kind of records. Do you want to send me some? I was like, yeah, no problem. And then from there, we just kind of built on our relationship. And I told him about noise and we're working on this. And he and he looked at it also as an opportunity for him to be represented outside of Australia. Because he's already like wherever the top is in, in all the Australia, uh, feel, like in work in the industry, yeah. he's out there, but he's looking more so to expand out. So he was like, yo, I'll be more than happy to help out and come on board. And when I got this mix back, like I was so happy, man, because I was like, yo, I finally have that missing piece that can, you know, take our sound to where it needs to be and bring it to life. Yeah. Um, another thing with this song, it's like it continues with like how I said the last with Cowbell it has that jazz element. This is another, obviously, I think, and the organization of this album, I feel is very smart in that sense because you had that murkiness go into a little bit of funk and up-tempo, which sets you into that same Cowbell up-tempo, switched with the jazz to now having such a, smooth jazz record in the sense of this song i gotta love which is also taking noise into a field that nobody had heard him in before and to the like romantic fucking you know <laughs> the the romantic thriving artist that is noise that we hadn't seen before but it's like it fucking works so beautifully like yeah. where the fuck did this come from guys <laughs> it was like I don't know. I feel like every artist gets asked by some at some point by their partner to be like, "Yo, can you make something for me?" Right? Oh, so, yeah. you by the car says, "Yo, my son, where's my son? Where's my son at, G?" And yo, this is like when we first started dating too. She's like, yeah. "So you rap, eh? You like yeah. make me a piece?" I'm like, "Yo, don't worry, right? I'll make something, right?" <laughs> but then I couldn't. It's hard too because that's a lot of pressure. Cause oh, it's like yeah. he gave her a freestyle on all about the Benjamins. <laughs> He's like, "Yo, this is for you, man." Hold this, hold this quick eight. <laughs> Yo, it's it's pressure too, cause it's like you want to make something. You're not making it for yourself anymore. You're making it for that other person. So yeah. you want to make so you want to make sure that they'll actually like it too. For sure. So for a long time, I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna make you something. Don't worry, don't worry." I put it off for years, cause everything I tried to create, it wasn't at the level that I wanted to be at. And then I think when Dusty played me the beat, I'm like, okay, this has got to be a love song. But I never thought he would take it to that. Because, yo, it's it's not an eight-bar loop. It's a six-bar loop. Yeah. Bro, don't lie. This beat was in your 80s porno bag. No, 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 bro. This <laughs> was, I made it. Was it was hidden, tucked in the back in case you need to make some quick bucks. <laughs> no, because this one, like, when I, I remember I made it, I was, like, on some doom shit. I wanted to make something that's not... You know, like your traditional yeah, eight-bar yeah, loop. Yeah. So I made a six-bar. I didn't think he was going to, like, take it to that, you know, to that content. And even just the way afterwards when we brought Vash on it and what it kind of turned into. And, like, when yeah. I first heard her vocals, I fucking thought of, like, Faith Evans and shit. Nah. Then I was like, okay, yeah, this is more than just this six-bar loop that we made. Kind of tell us more, okay, when once you have this song, like, when you heard this beat, did you know that this was going to be the song for Navi? Or was this, yeah. like... I did, yeah. So, like, did you have any of these bars ready, or was just like, okay, this song made those feelings come out for this? Purpose? Yeah, no, I wrote it fresh after I got the beat. Yeah, 
And the thing with love songs too is like it's very easy. Like it's a very thin line between oh, like really good versus real really corny, right? Yeah. So I'm like, I just started thinking about hip hop love songs that are like eternal, right? Well, obviously, Method Man, Mary J, Mary J. Blair, or like, get, yeah, or like there's Common, references in there too. Yeah. yeah, or like Common, The Light, but the the beat or the song that really or this beat reminded me of the song um, Pharrell Monch and Jay Dilla, okay. Love. Like, that's the song that I heard when I heard this track. So I'm like, okay, that is like like peak love, hip-hop love song, yeah. right? So I'm like, I want to create a love song that's on that level. You might be the most romantic artist in Moving Cool now, <laughs> officially. But, like, how, how was it to you to, like, obviously this is a... It can be a very vulnerable topic to a lot of people, so... How did you get comfortable with the idea that this might just, rather than it just being a song that you showed Navi, which might have been the idea that you started off with, mm. but to it being a, a, a like a focal point of this album, like where did it, like when did you get comfortable with this being yeah. on this album? Let's say, man, I had a conversation with this about this with um, with Jasmine from Vancouver, because she's like. Uh, and we kind of relate a, a lot of ways on this where it's like we have people that follow our artwork because we do a specific type of art and then we try to step outside that box we're not sure how people will take to it or if they'll yeah. still relate to it or if they still want that i just posted that on my ig yesterday yeah like did you see it i didn't see it no it's basically talking about when your audience rejects your creative growth yeah. yeah. Right. They only want to see you do the same thing, and the and it just hinders your growth because you're like, but if I post this, I'm gonna get half the likes. Should I do it or not? Which yeah. ends up pretty detrimental to most artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I de I definitely had that conversation with her. I went through a lot of those same feelings where it's like, people know me as just being you know the rapper, the MC, bars, you know all that kind of stuff, but you know like just kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, it's like I wanted to put more of myself and more of my own life into the music because that's just where i'm at in my own growth and my own maturation yeah um so yeah i definitely felt like you know how are people going to take to this because yeah. i've never done anything like this before but that's i think that's just part of being an artist is sometimes you know making that decision to be like i don't care if people don't like this i really believe in this yeah so i'm just gonna go i'm just gonna push forward with it anyways so noise R&B album coming 2019. You heard it here. <laughs> Yo, who knows, man? I might get on my ghost face and do yeah. my um, ghost Dini, ghost Dini <laughs> wizard of poetry yeah. album. Yeah. All right. Song number six is the first featuring Vaish and Strick on the hook. Get into it. When the feeling we hard broken is the only moment that's serving to open it. I'm searching. I'm searching. And now I'm finding that you'll never know. You just have to know. Now I'm searching. And now I'm finding that you'll never know. You just have to grow. One time for the first generation raised within the West by the word for the ancients. That's a fucking, that's a smooth ass song, yo. Yeah. Everybody tells me, yo, that, that shit is different. They don't it know how to put it, but I'm like, I get, I totally get where you're and saying. And it's a smooth transition from I Gotta Love, too. Yeah. yeah. It feels like this is another love record, but it's not. It's a self reflecting song. Yeah. Right? Like, 
but it has that R&B feel to it. Still. Yeah, it's a high energy. High, well, I would say a bright energy, a good energy record. The way like in my notes that I kind of have this summarized, it's like he speaks a lot about self-reflection within your verses. Mm-hmm. And that is very simply said in a simple hook, but... It, 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 that that is what's needed because the verses are so intricate about these things he's talking about. It that those exact same words are put in a very simple form for the yeah. hook, but beautifully said by two different voices, yeah. and it's just like it makes that song fucking stick out really well. Yeah, I know. I remember when I first heard this beat. Like there were a couple of times in the album where Dusty, you would show me beats and like, what can you do with this? This is one of those ones where I was like, I want that one. Like yeah, a, yeah. He, that was always like a beat I just had, and I just never did anything. I remember he always like wanted the beat, and I was like, "Why?" Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's a fire beat because so. it's it's so unorthodox. Like, I don't even know what instrument is making the main yeah, melody. Bro, it's you're like, on your yeah. Daft Punk shit on this fucking <laughs> record. Bro. This man's trying to make some Daft Punk weekend shit for yeah. us. You know? Yeah, it's just so. It was so unorthodox, so out of the box. I'm like, I I really want to try to see what I can do with this. And I think, like, one of the main, I guess, points of feedback or criticism that I get as an artist is people are like, you'll slow it down a little bit, right? Like, you rhyme really fast. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very different pace. Yeah, with this one, I definitely tried to slow it down and allow more spaces within the beat. Yeah. Or spaces in the verse to let the beat shine. And, yeah, I definitely, like, try to push myself outside of the comfort zone with this one and then even with the hook like this hook took a while to come up with like yeah, i wrote some I stuff remember, for I it the yo he was yeah. singing he yeah. wanted to sing on it i yeah. i kind of like thought him on it <laughs> <laughs> because like i was like because i feel like what he did with the writing was so dope because he's showing you a different side of it but at the same time like i feel like the way he does it he's just super respectful of that platform that he's on because those two people really shine on it. Yeah. I feel like he did everything to make sure the record and everybody else shines on it because yeah. he's going to deliver on his end anyways. So I feel like, yeah, he's he's dope on it, but his efforts and the writing and how he, even like how he uh, recaps in the third verse, it really helps accentuate the other people and the other elements in the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember just coming up, because I had the two verses, and I had no idea what to do for a chorus. I wrote a couple of hooks. I think I had Selena write a hook. I had Humble write a hook. Nothing really worked until we had that one session where Strick came through. You were there for that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he kind of, he came up with like three or four different melodies within the same session. I'm like, oh my God, how do I pick which one's the best one? But then we stuck with one, and then we had Vice come in, and she killed it. Yeah. Just added a whole different element to it. And yo, I'm like... Little known fact, I'm a big, like, 90s R&B head. Like, okay. 702, Mary J, Blackstreet, like, all that stuff. So this record kind of reminds me of that era of R&B. And, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really super excited with what they did with it. And this is my favorite song on the project. Yeah, no, definitely, like, this was a song that I didn't even... Nobody saw, sees this coming. Yeah, no, like, it was... I, this was a song I obviously knew yeah. just being there, but it was, like... Hearing the mixed version, this was the song that I was the most impressed with in seeing the final polished version to yeah. what the fuck it was at one point was like night and day. Yeah. Like this one was constructed and to see the finished project 
was like holy fuck like it was really like shout out to aspa too like this song is yeah mixed so beautifully with two different voices like strick and beige is like it's it doesn't sound nothing sounds out of the, out of the ordinary in this song yeah. like it's everything feels like it fits there and should be there and it wouldn't be the song the same song if it wasn't there right so yeah it took me it took me like so this is like one of those like perfect examples of like the lo-fi moment because you have this really like muffled out like underwater sounding bass line that's going with the pulsating drums right but and then you have his raps that are cutting through and then you have these two melodies that are just so like nicely just floating through the record and then uh the part that it switches that's all like played off a keyboard but it, the only element from a sample that's that's running through that w- was the bass line, so, but it still kind of worked through everything. So I was I was like, I was kind of concerned from even like a mixing standpoint. I was like, yo, how's Espa gonna do this without it sounding like two different yeah. things? But yo, he kind of worked that magic, man. And yeah, then you came and blessed us with the, you know, just <laughs> bro, told, I told you like, bro, you, I'm gonna have to start charging <laughs> if you man's want me to hit these notes because yo. And that, you know, that's so do- what's dope about all our sessions is like um, the session, they all like grow by each visit. Yeah. And as people come in, I'm like, yo, listen to this, add something. And I've been trying to get Strick on a record because I have a record with him and Scotty and yo, he's singing crazy. Yeah. And I'm like, yo, okay, for whatever reason, this record is not going to get done. How can I utilize him? And then, yeah, we showed it to you. And I forgot because, you know, I'll mute the files as the next person comes. Yeah. I forgot you were on it. So when I was cleaning the record to send it to Espa, I found your vocals. And, you know, in those vocals, I can hear all of us just yelling stuff in the back. Yeah. So I just moved some stuff around, and I was just so happy just for that one part where I always liked that part. You know, in, in Jay-Z's, um, what's that song with him and the Neptunes? Uh, I just want to love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like uh, Shorty in the back singing off key. And I wish I never loved you. You know what I mean? I was like, yo, that is so genius. So when I heard you on that, I'm like, yo, bro, I'm going to use this. And I hope he's not mad. Like, why are you using that part? So that was dope, man. I don't think you heard it until it came back. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Noise Enterprise. (laughs) Yeah, and you heard it when it came back mixed, right? I didn't even tell you you were on it. I didn't know I was on this shit. I'm listening to this fucking song then all of a sudden my voice is at the end of like yeah. what the fuck and and but see like what i what personally what what i wanted to do is have different elements from multiple songs like like you know crossover yeah. at different points so like you're on it you're sprinkled in between even though you know you you help us end uh like close off the album and Vaish is now from being a lead assisting, yeah. but she still has her unique twist on it. And then there's an instrument in it. This is like nerd talk right now, but that instrument is what opens the last record. Okay. You know what I mean? And it's the it's the it's the ending of his verse and that that little horn section that comes up. That's actually the intro. Oh snap! Right. You know what I mean? That. So. Yeah, <laughs> all these nerds are nutting their pants. Right now. <laughs> Sorry, All right, dude. I think that that's enough on that record. Now to the greatest record ever recorded. Yo, you gotta stop, man. Yo, you running with this campaign, man. like? Nah, man. Yo, I'm putting it out there. I don't give a fuck if anybody agrees with me. This is the greatest thing Noise has ever done. You have ever done. 
And I don't give a fuck what you guys say. I don't even know if you can tell the actual story about <laughs> this record, yo. Don't worry, we're gonna get into it. This is song number seven, The Sickness, featuring Big Rube. Big up. When I falter, I fall to the altar and call for a karma departure Try to hold steady as an arms of an archer Until I break down, found face down, drowned in the thoughts that'll conquer Been a shock to the system, as if I get lost to the offensive broker Feel it just pierced through the heart like I fought with the bosses of control Saw what the darkness will offer, but chose light even when I had no sight Contemplated the way to take my when own people life. looked at this motherfucking track list and they see somebody Like a legend like Big Rube being on this album it's it's a fucking big thing especially for us you know when when outcast and dungeon family means so fucking much to us yeah the ability to even have somebody like big rube on your project is nuts yo that's the first thing yo hit me with he's like yo big rube feature you know what yeah. i mean that's a big yeah. thing for them like well, in no, ATL, for anybody so. who studies hip-hop yeah of course you know like this is a fucking big fucking huge thing so where did this song kind of start as an idea, and where did the likes of a Big Rube come into the picture? So Big Rube came towards <laughs> no, the start, end. No, start, start, start. How? Yeah. You want to talk about how the song? Was yeah, made? we can talk about it. It was made out of spite. <laughs> okay. It wasn't made out of spite. It wasn't man. made out of spite. But right, I was. So who was getting the diss? Let me no, 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 no. There's no diss. I was upset, legit upset, because I felt that verse belonged on something else that's actually the first time i made a record to his acapella and okay. i played it for you guys um remember nav's christmas party like at yeah, his yeah. house yeah, in yeah. december 2017 yeah, yeah. that's when i made it i made it in like i think early december after he left me the vocals and then i showed it to you at the party and i remember he was like yo what is that it's yeah. like you it's you son what what was this verse for so i was in 2017 i was out in vancouver for a show and a workshop and then as part of that trip i linked up with saint soldier who we know from out in abbotsford mm -hmm. um he was working on his album uh with dj hark and he had like he had humble on a track and then he had a different track that he wanted me to get on he played me a couple of beats and i'm like okay i like this one so i wrote i came back home came back to to brampton wrote to it recorded the vocals at dusty's place sent the vocals back and then that was a it was a dope record i mean yeah. i recorded it for him and stuff but it was just that afterwards like i'm sitting with it and i'm listening and i'm just like it's cool that you're on this record i just don't think what you're saying and how you're what you're doing matches this i get it you're doing a feature i yeah. i just think you could have written something else but this belongs on something else and you know he was like ah that's cool whatever so he leaves and I just started going through samples. And this is like the first time I have his vocals that I'm now trying. Because I think it's originally made like on a trappish beat, right? Yeah. That's why like the record sounds the way it does. So I ended yeah. up finding something, made it to that. And uh, yeah, it just, it just kind of worked out, man. Slowly and surely it just kind of worked out. And I played it for you guys. And then I think this is the same time, yeah, you're working on the vibe stuff. You were in contact with Rube, and he sent me like a thing. Yo, I'm talking to him. I think we can get him. I said, "Go ahead, man. If you can, can you can get it." And then when that came back, like my head was blown. Yeah. Cause I'm like, he's rapping, but he's talking, but uh, he's yeah. saying some wild shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, anyone that's 
listened to an Outkast album knows how essential Big Rube is to that album, to that project. Like he's always closer to the end of it to put that official stamp on it. Yeah. And as like a lifelong Outkast fan, when the opportunity came up to work with Rube, I'm like, I have to make this happen, man. Yeah. Um, and he was like the easiest guy to work with too. Like sometimes when you know, artists that have a name established in the industry, you expect like you expect ego or you expect some sort of you know difficulty in the interaction. But he was so easy. He was just like, "Are you indie artist or are you signed?" I'm like, um, "I'm like I'm indie." He's like, "Okay, cool." And he was just like, because I was indie, he was like more willing to work with me. Yeah, which was which is incredible for someone of that stature. And then so I played him the record. It was just my verse over the looped beat. And I sent it to him and kind of explained the concept behind it. He's like, okay, cool. Literally the next day, he had it recorded, That's sent the file shit. over. Bro, his, there's a lot of shit like he's saying on the record. And then it's a different level of game that when you're hearing a guy so experienced in the game. Because mm. I, I do, I get the feeling like he's giving, he's not just talking his thing he's kind of no, passing he's given, on he's given he's giving like, game oh, yeah. right but it's also like he's passing on some game to him too like yo it's a it to me like that record sounds like a conversation yeah, no, but it was crazy because like that's not what it, what i even thought that record could be it was more so like i made a dope beat this belongs on here you yeah. know what i mean and like yeah he he redid his verse on it so it fit more you know more in pocket but i didn't think almost every person yeah i played that record to I get that same reaction. It's like what? nuts. <laughs> yeah. It is fucking... On my notes, capital letters, it says nuts. Right <laughs> So, yo, tell me, walk me through, like, I remember I, when I played it for you. I have no idea what the... Because I say, yo, you've probably rapped way more intricate lyrics. You probably had a greater concept. You, your cadence, your tone has probably been better on other songs. There's something about when this fucking beat hits... And it hits right when he fucking starts rapping and everything he's saying and the way he, the flow of noise and the pocket that fits in. And this might be something that comes down to you building this beat afterwards to fit this. Yeah. There's something about it that to me is fucking absolutely flawless that I'm like, I cannot pick one part in it where I'd be like, do something different. Like my head is knocking my 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 intellect is stimulated by what is being said yeah but the fucking it's like the purest form of hip-hop guaning and then once you guys put rube on it yeah. it was just like this is something else this is this is not fucking normal yeah. <laughs> this is something this is some alien shit bro like I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know why it's my favorite, but to me, it is miles ahead of anything the both of you have ever done. That's to me. And it, no, you guys can you, hate me for saying that. Hot topic, that. No. But yo, it is what it is. This shits on anything else you guys have ever done, in my mind. Like to me, I'm it is. Sure, um, it, it is. Um, it's an unbelievable track. It's a vibe to it, and it's. To me, it's the hardest hitting, and it affects me the most on this project. That's see, that's the key word, right? It is the best to you because I was thinking about it today when I was coming over. Like, it's affecting him in a way which I would love to know. Because I remember when I played it for you, 
and your reaction has not changed since then. Yeah. It's the same. And it was in the basement, you're, and you were like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And I was like, yo, bro, chill. I remember I got mad at you guys. Yeah. That you guys weren't even looking at this song like it's one of the yeah. greater records on this project. Like, I remember fighting you guys, being like, are you guys fucking stupid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, drop, yo. Drop this video right now. Fuck the rest of your album. This is the greatest thing you guys have ever done. <laughs> fuck everything else. Like, are you guys dumb right now? You got your video though no yeah and, and, and watch <laughs> this is gonna fucking dropkick motherfuckers out here i like, hope so man i think that is like that is one of the best videos shot within our circle of friends to me yo shout yeah, out to definitely. revive man. shout out to yeah. revive and to me it is one of the best beats i've ever heard from you and to me it's one of the best verses i've heard from him and that doesn't say that you don't... There's plenty of other beats that I might individually... If I didn't hear it with his verse, I would think it's better. If I, if I heard that verse on another beat, I might be like, fuck this verse. This verse is shit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there's something about everything being put together in this song that does something for me. That's just like... It's like synergy at its most efficient. Yeah. Like God, of every I, little thing. I can play this song for an hour straight and not get bored of it. Like, I kid you not. I can fucking listen to it for an hour straight and not get bored of it and i don't know why <laughs> i literally can't pinpoint why thank you man i really appreciate it um what was your reaction when you got the lyrics back from rube yeah man like i've been listening to rube for over 20 years yeah and then to actually have his a file with his vocals first of all just to be able to to talk this guy to, to this guy like he had my number i had his number what was that conversation like Yo, like he sounds in real life the way he sounds on record. Like he has that deep, <laughs> gravelly voice, yeah, right? I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> so the first time I spoke to him, I was just mad intimidated, yeah. right? Because I'm like, this is a legend. Like this is the guy that did Liberation. Like I idolized this dude in a lot of ways. Like my verse on the zoo, like the zoo baby's a spoken yeah, word piece, yeah. like it's because of Rube, right? So to actually, you know, be like to be treated as a peer, by him was like it was beyond belief man and like we just talked about regular stuff like he just wanted to get to know me as an artist and know me as a person in order for him to to feel comfortable contributing something to the piece so like we would just be talking on the phone he'd be like yeah man i'm just like sitting here watching lucha underground you ever watch wrestling i'm like yo i love wrestling so we'd just be like talking about wrestling for 10 15 minutes right so he was just like a really dope human being and he just made it as easy as possible to, to work See, with this him. is like another organic thing because like our love for that whole the dungeon culture and then us making like vibe don't lie and referencing even in darkness yeah having that vibe and then having this guy come through actually from the dungeon yeah. you know it's like such a full circle moment and stuff that that's personally like why it probably has more of a sentimental uh, thing to me just how everything connects and that's like it's it's fitting to who we are too, right? We a a Rube feature would probably and it does mean more to you than let's say fucking we go get a Tory Lanez feature. Right. Yeah, right. it will have an impact just because people are gonna be like, Oh, you have a Tory Lane feature. But this so fits into what the fuck we stand for. Yeah. Like you went and got big Rube. Like, you know, like <laughs> to the average person they might be like, Who? Right? But to the hip hop head. Yeah. This guy is idolized. Yeah. You know? And it was like, I remember when you first told me, yo, I'm talking to Rube on the phone. I go, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, that alone, just 
even if he didn't give you, if he farted on a track after that, <laughs> we would have probably still put it on the album because of the respect level yeah. that we have for him. But the fact that he turned out this and he gave you this and like like you said, it's like an OG is just kicking you knowledge. Like, And he did something different on this verse that I've never heard him do before. Yeah. Like Every time you hear him on a song, he's doing his spoken word thing, but he's not necessarily doing it to the beat. Yeah. But this one, he's actually rhyming to yeah, the drums. Yeah, by the end of it, sounds like a flow. Like, yeah. Bro, he said, wild. spit dope on a track that'll get your mind high, keep your body out of trouble. Yeah. I was shook when I heard that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on, man? <laughs> Bro, even the way he ends, like, reach one, teach one, what? ignorance is the sickness. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm out. bro. Jesus. Uh. Yes, I was bugging out when he sent me that verse because, like, I woke up in the morning and I didn't expect to have it back so soon. So I yeah. checked my email. I'm like, oh my God. I had to like prepare myself before I listened to it. And then I played it back and I literally like, it was, I just had to take a moment, man. Like I played it over and over and over again. And, you know, that was like, that, like those are the moments that when you want to make music, want to make any type of art, those are like the moments that you remember. Yeah. Right? Later, like years down the line. It's like, man, this this meant something. Like this was... The accomplishment or the realization of something that really had a lot of sentimental value. I found a change in in our immediate circle when I went to France because Huge. when I saw how you guys were reacting back home and posting yeah. stuff, because yeah. there we had like time slots when we can check our phone, right? So we check it, and I'm just seeing you guys like Scotty and them putting random posts talking about me and stuff. Mm. I was like. This is sick because I feel like these guys feel like they're connected to this. Of course. Like they're there right now. So when I came back to, I'm like, I can't fuck this up. Yeah. I have too much knowledge for me to just like let it go to waste. Yeah. I just can't like, I can't rush to it. My path isn't tomorrow, but I know where it is and I'm just going to get to it on, on our time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Song number eight, Speak Now. Well, we both raising nieces and both found queens. Somebody mama can meet with on high when I'm at my weakest. I showed her that side. For the hardships, no man to have shoulders that wide. Told her that's why it's known, but now I gotta say it. That is because of y'all I found my way in. For the times when I should have said the words they deserve to hear. And for the times when the feeling was more than what we willing to share. But this is for the time that we give it. Um, this is obviously the more personal song on this album. And it's it's essentially three different topics in three verses, right? But it yeah. all ties back to the to what your hook is, which is very like a simple explanation of what this song is about, right? Mm. But where did this kind of... Did you start with one verse and then that kind of made the rest of the song come? Like, what was, like, kind of the concept behind this? Um, so initially there wasn't a concept. Yeah. Um, so I had written the first verse and the second verse. So, you know, I was, at, earlier on I was talking about I wrote those two verses within 24 hours. Those yeah. were the two verses that I had written. Mm -hmm. And it was just over, like, a, a random Odyssey beat or something. Yeah. And my, my plan initially was just, like, all right, this is my first time writing something in months. I'm just going to record this over that Odyssey beat and just put it out. Mm -hmm. um, but then I just, I kind of sat with it, realized like, you know, this, these verses mean something a lot. They mean a lot to me. I didn't want to just throw them out there. And then Dusty actually came up with the beat afterwards. So he hadn't heard the verses at that point. Yeah. 
So he came up with the with the beat and just like just the way the beat felt, like the way the voices are in there, there just seems like there's a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um and like they're just kind of wailing, right? They're just like letting it all out there. It just kind of seems like a very like a raw expression, whatever emotion that they're trying to express, it's yeah. just like it just seems very vulnerable and it just seems like a very like unfiltered expression. And I felt like that's what I was doing with the verses. Mm-hmm. And then so I wanted to f- kind of find a way to weave the two verses together. So I came up with the third verse, which kind of ties in with a similar theme of, you know, saying the words that matter to the person that needs to hear it. Yeah. So in the first verse, I'm talking about, you know, the people around me in my life who matter a lot to me and just telling them that I care. And, th- you know, as, as simple as that sounds, we don't always do that. And that's not always an easy sentiment to get across. And then in the second verse, I'm talking about someone in my life who's, who's messing up. Yeah. You know, and you want to tell them how you feel, how them messing up is making you feel. And even though they're messing up, like you still want to see them get better. Mm-hmm. Or, but, you, but you need them to, to figure their shit out first. Yeah. And then in the last verse, it's like when someone has died and they've passed away and you kind of feel like you didn't have that opportunity to say what you wanted to say. Yeah. But like through music or, you know, through whatever form of whether it's writing or whether another piece of art, there are still those ways to convey what you want to say. Yeah. And then I remember the chorus was the hardest thing to write for me, though, because I had the verses and I knew how I wanted to relate them all together. But the chorus, I think we went through like five or six different choruses for this one. Yeah, like this this track was actually done <clears throat> pretty early. Yeah. This was done around the same time we did Lo-Fi because it was one of the records I played in uh, France. Yeah. And the the funny thing was, um, so at the end of like your week, we have this one whole day where all the engineers basically, they play Guru, a record that they've mixed and that's probably in the industry or whatever. And he'll go through it and he'll mix with you on how you can, uh, you know, clean it up. And these are different techniques you can apply to it. So for me, it was like, okay, what am I going to do? I don't have anything mixed. So my angle was, so I got these records, I produced uh, these records, and I'm most likely going to mix them. And, but around the same time, like Espa was there too. So I was like, how do you think, give me, give me, instead of like the mixing components, give me stuff from like a songwriting. What is it about this record? Like, how would I attack it? And how do like, we stretch it out and fill it out and even mixing wise, how you would do it. So I actually didn't, out of all the files, I didn't have this file. So it was funny because I had to FaceTime my dad and ha- and walk him <laughs> I through. This. Yeah, I, I walked him through step by step how to open Logic, find the file, export all the files as stems and a session, yeah. upload it onto like a mega upload or something and send me the file. And my, he's never, <laughs> he's never, uncle, yo, yeah. he killed it. Yo, he killed it. He didn't miss a beat. Yeah. And like. I was being a bit of a dick because I was just like, yo, do it like this, do it like this. But because I was on a time strain too, but like afterwards, I apologize. But yeah, I got, I got the session, man. And people heard it off the intro. They were very intrigued because they're like, what are we getting into? Yeah. And I think like this, I don't know if you did the second verse at the time, mm-hmm. but we kind of got, I kind of got a direction of how I wanted to mix it or bring more life and stuff into it. Mm-hmm. And then, 
Yeah, then I, I feel like the record, like once we had that game plan, I took it back. The record kind of like went through different phases because there was a time. I think this is the only time where he recorded something, and I was like, "Are we really going in that direction?" Yeah. Like, I'm cool. Are you cool? Because yeah. like you know, and we talked about it, and then you know, I was like, "You should," because you don't know how people connect to it, right? Already, there's so many people that connect to you just because they think you're dope, but then this has, like, a different layer to it that they might be like, yo, shit, bro, I'm going through the same thing or I have been through that. So we had a moment, like, we were on board with it and then it turned into, like, do we still need it? Because, like, you know, things were, life was happening. And then it turned into, like, I think for the long run, it's better to keep it in. And then once we settled on that, then he had the third verse and then yeah the hook also took like a couple of cracks man it it it, it's it's still along yeah like still still along the same style but there's just certain things like you know because we i was telling him like the verses are so dense they're clear but they're dense in material you don't want to go the same route on a hook no yeah you know what i mean so they're like breathers so i think the way he kind of like finally started chiseling down like yeah we have a bunch of different hooks but that one like it kind of stuck to me the most too no yeah the beauty the beauty that is this song is that you can take this topic and attack it three different ways right right? like that is the beauty in it like a lot is being said in each in each verse like like you said like that first verse is kind of you accepting that you were more of an introvert and shy to this world mm-hmm. to then talking about you 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 reference me and to 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 my knowledge I feel like Navi as well yeah. in the sense of two people that helped you come out of that shell right, right but right. bro and just the intro sorry it, just the intro into the verse no you, it can't that's, that's what I say gain the, the world, world or lose, lose your soul, soul. like fucking line. like that shit like even on a personal level I deal with that all the time yeah. because it's like I'm so fucking tied into everything I'm doing that at times I don't live life and someone has to remind me, like, yo, you still have to go out and we have to do this. We have to do this. Because, you know, I can just be in the... We can have a million of those sessions. If anything, I had to dial back because I was having... We're having our collective sessions. Then I have solo sessions with him. Then I have sessions with you, which were always, like, we got hammered. It was <laughs> if, if, God forbid, fucking Chewy was there. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's not even get into those records we made. But, like, but that rhyme... I don't know. Like, I've heard that line somewhere before. But it's, I feel like when you hear things at the right time, with the right platform. With that drop, too. Yeah, that drop, too. The uh, drop and just the way everything kicks off and, and that sound, it really cuts through for me, man. No, yeah. And the, you go from that, then you go from touching on something, like, you know, like, really personal that's going on in your household that you're seeing, right? Then you're going to verse 3 speaking within your grandmother but it all ties back into being able to speak on things that you do not necessarily do in the moment Mm -hmm. but that goes back to to something that you set up in verse one being like yo i've never been comfortable with this side of life but it's starting to come through through the music and i'm just proud of the fact that you have kind of shed this vulnerability and being like yo this this has always been a therapeutic method for you, has always been the writing. But now to to shed that vulnerability and being like, let me just 
fully showcase what is going on because that is uh, to me that is ultimately when i got really invested into artists is when i feel like i can fully relate to what the fuck they're going through right like we can always bop to so so and so but we all have certain songs that we can remember helped us through different times in our lives and those are they're, they're different they're a different aspect right they're all all in a different realm of music that is shit that touches your fucking soul so when when the likes of hearing that second verse i remember hearing that the first time he ever played that for me and it has that same reaction to me where i can have literally yeah. goosebumps from hearing what the fuck is being said and that is something that i feel like even going forward in the growth of noise is we're even going to see more of that because you, I guarantee you some of the feedback you're going to be hearing from this album is how much speak now is going to no pun intended speak to the to your fans like it's a fucking great record and it it where it falls in the album it just it, it works perfectly it's yeah just it goes to that maturity of noise right just kind of going back to what you were saying, Dusty, when we were like, you know, do we really want to keep that second verse on here? Yeah. I remember I waited for a long time. I'm like, I want to show this to my sister. Yeah. Um, but I was scared to. I was like, I was terrified Honestly, to show it to Honestly, that was my first thought when yeah. I heard it. I'm like, have you ever played this for your sister? Like, because... Yeah. Like, I mean, I've played songs where, you know, like, you talk about certain topics and it's like, it, like you know it almost becomes like awkward because you're just wait like literally you're looking for any type of reaction right but i don't know you can best explain how was it for you kind of introducing that to her yeah so i mean the verse kind of talks about the separation that she's going through and kind of a lot of the factors that led up to it yeah and kind of how those how that impacted the rest of the family having to see her go through it and you know wanting to help but not really knowing how to. Um, so it was definitely, I mean, it was difficult writing it. Yeah. And then it was even more difficult to actually show it to her. Um, I remember I like called her into the room and I just like gave her the pair of headphones. I'm like, you know, I, I really want you to hear this. And I was just like the whole time, I'm just like trying to, trying to gauge any type of reaction. Yeah. Um, but no, after she heard it, she was like, you know, everything you said is true. I'm like, yo, honestly, if you don't want me to keep this in, I'll I'll take it out. Yeah. Like, you don't even have to, like, it's not even a big no, deal. Oh, yeah. Right? If it, you know, if there was a yeah. problem, then you're not going to be like, yeah, I'm going to keep it on, you know? Yeah. You know, like, I wanted to be obviously respectful of her situation. Yeah. But, no, she was on, she was on board with it. She, like, the message resonated a lot with her. And she was like, you know, these are things that needed to be said because no one else was really talking about it out in the open like that so i mean you know i'm grateful that she was on board with it and you know hopefully i mean especially within a lot of punjabi or south asian households you know we see a lot of these same things yeah and it is kind of glossed Immigrants over in general you know, yeah that's a, such a for sure yeah it is it is kind of, it does kind of get you know swept under the rug people don't really address it or if they know what's going on, like they'll they'll just kind of hide it or shy away from it. Yeah. So, I I know like people that have heard it. I've had a lot of people say, you know, I've had the same situation happen in my family, or I know someone that's had the same thing happen. Yeah. So, you know, that's. We, I was going 
through a similar thing, but yeah, like yeah. through like a cousin, you know what I mean? So yeah. it was just weird that we were <laughs> we were going through the yeah. same thing, right? Mm-hmm. But like he's he's experiencing it firsthand at home, you know what I mean? And I'm like we're talking to someone like through a phone because we can't directly be there because of whatever, right? But um, uh, yeah, that was that's, a weird, that, crazy that, time. That is also ultimately the importance of why it needs to be there, right? Because are we going to sweep it under the rug like the previous generation or are mm. we at least because you did like let's be real yeah you're spe- like like you said you're like your sister said to you you're not saying anything wrong you're spitting facts right but the thing is are we going to be part of that generation that just keeps saying we're not supposed to talk about this or can we at mm. least do it in a classy way share our stories without shitting on anybody without the intent of shitting on anybody and just let it be there so people know that, yo, like, I'm sure we've all dealt with it in our households or different right. households and this, that. But the thing, the power is in the conversation being put out there, right? So I feel like that, like, I'm so happy that it get, gets put in there. Like, knowing your sister, like, she's an amazing person. And for her to have the strength to allow this to happen as well is an amazing thing. And I feel like it's a very important part, if not the most important part of this album. So, yo, thank you for sharing that with us, definitely. The final song, song I'm on as well, uh, Farewell, featuring B-Magic and Scotty IV. Let's get into it. Sunshine follows the moon As one dies and the young mind's brought in the blue It's all in tune, so as the cycle repeats And the light in you greet I shed tears of joy as the voyage of life is complete And see the only way to repay you is carry on living Cause every farewell's a new beginning Too many goodbyes, too many farewells We lost a couple angels so we don't fear hell I woke up to the news that you had left us, blessed us with every meeting. Now you have said this like- track is like pretty like it's like one of my it is like I'd say the track I'm probably like the it's very close to me because it is something we started during the 21 grams thing and it has transitioned over time. But the thing that makes it so more personal to me is once he kind of set the tone when we re- reconstructed this record and he's like, yo, this is this is my thing on it. And he was the only one on it. I know I had to bring Scott back. And I know Scott has a really dope thing about his dad. Like, yeah. I don't know if, if he told you guys, like, where his name Spooks comes from. Yeah, yeah. we went through it in you know an episode. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, I kind of challenged him that, yo, bro, I kind of want to hear that kind of thing. And then also was like, I got to put magic on a record, but like, I don't want the magic that we can get anytime. I want to put him in a different light because to a certain degree, you catch a stigma too that you're just doing party records or whatever. But it's like, no, bro, he's a songwriter. He can, you bro, the stuff that we've done, no one's even heard. Yeah. It's nothing close to the shit that's out. For like, sure. you know what I mean? It's not a two cup every time. So that verse to me personally too, I feel like that's one of your best, uh, not just like a best verse, but I, th- I think also one of your best performances on a record. You know what I mean? This is probably the only verse I've ever rewritten in my life. <laughs> you know? Like, I remember I lost my verse to this record. Mm. Like, I had a whole thing written. Like, my thing is I usually tend to write on either like a computer or like my phone. So then I can't lose it. This time, for some reason, I wrote it on a piece of paper and I lost the fucking piece of paper. 
And I remember being like, Noise, you're going to hate me, but I'm <laughs> not rewriting this. Like, so what, what was that first verse about? So, like, obviously, the, the song, you can, I, like, it's farewell. We're all dealing with some type of loss. So, but, like, at that point, I remember when I first had written the verse, I, had ne- I didn't really have a significant loss at that point. So it was just like, yo, how do I do this justice if I can't, and compete is a bad word when it comes to this song, but just like have the same level of reflecting and pain that these two guys brought to this track. If I cannot bring that level, then I shouldn't even be on this song because I'm going to take away from the sentimental value that this song holds, right? So I'm like, when I first did it, I wrote about my grandfather who's still alive and who is one of the strongest persons I know. But ever since he had a stroke, it was like night and day, right? Like he's been in bed rest ever since. And it was two different realities to, to the person that I knew. Like I knew him as the strongest person I've ever known to now being on bed rest and having all type of difficulties. So I in my first verse had just been about like preparing for the one day when he's no longer here and having to go from the transitioning of looking at him like a superhero yeah. to seeing him lose not in the sense because he's still a superhero to me in, in that sense, but it's like seeing the strongest person you've ever known go to being so weak. It was like devastating to me. So yeah. at that point, that was the only justice I could bring to this track was talking about something as as close to me as that. So talking about my grandfather. But then when I lost it, I was like, fuck. I was going to do the same exact verse talking about my grandfather. But I'm like, I, I had so perfectly put into words what I felt at that very time being. Like I had, I probably cried tears while writing that verse just because, and that rarely happens to me, but that's what it meant to me. Right. So then to be able to be like, okay, I've lost it, but I still owe these guys something. And I felt that pressure too. And I'm just like, what the fuck do I do now? But then it could, like what I ended up talking about is our, is our homie, uh, Burke, who was like our longtime childhood friend who had passed away. And then I was just like, if I can't do that, then let me kind of express what I felt around the passing of our good friend, Burke. Who I we know and like within my friend circle, yeah, like d- during the time of the funeral, we, we talked about it, but we never really had that reflecting period of you know we never really we're, we're not just, brought up on yeah, that. Yeah, you as know, kids. You, you know how it is. The yeah. way we and that's why I say it. The only way we know how to mourn them is to pour out forties, and that's yeah. what we did during the funeral. All we knew how to do is just be around each other and be there for each other. But it's not like we had conversations about what the fuck he meant to us and the things he did for us, right? So this was kind of that. It was just kind of my own personal reflection of that time of what happened during his funeral. And that was the only other kind of way of me being able to write for this. And that's kind of, it had to come out of that space of reflecting on a loss or you know where it began was preparing for the reflection of a loss right yeah but you know, th- that verse like i think like it it really like connects to me because when we're like growing up like me and wong when we're like out in like 
uh, when we're working with the city, like in the recs and stuff, we had people that would come to the rec center. We get close with them because they work with us in the summer and stuff. And then when you come back next season, it's like, oh, he just died. He just yeah. did this, right? And, and yeah, this reflecting thing is they don't teach you that because I remember like one time catching myself thinking like if someone dies, like my first thought shouldn't be where should we make some T-shirts? Because that's what everybody was like, yo, we got to get RIP shirts, this and that. You remember that shit? Like, you show up, right? So when I was listening to the record, I was just actually started thinking of all those kids, right? They were just fucking kids, man. They got caught up in some weird situations. Some things just happened. But the line that I love, which is, like, so simple, because you always hear the good die young. But the second part is what makes it for me you had no choice god you're talking to like you know like we know okay shit happened but it's like yo you have no choice in this i don't know it really like sat with me man i always get fucking chills listening to that yeah you know what it is it's like like even in those first lines like yo i go we lost a couple angels so we don't fare hell that one too bro like and that was the thing that was years of attending fucking funerals of lives fucking cut short of really amazing people. Yeah. And there was a good, like, three, four years where this was a constant in my fucking life. Like, whether it was really close to me or really far, it's, it, it's different gauges, right? But it was just a fact of going to these funerals and having these conversations and, and like, never really having those. Yo, we don't, we don't, it's. I don't know, especially in my friend circle, it's like, yeah, we're there for each other in the sense of like, yo, we'll grieve together. But that like that let's talk about how we feel was that's not part of our culture, at least in like, you know, in my friend circle. Right. So it was like. This was my way of kind of having that conversation with a homie. I kind of just did that on a track. Right. And it's like it's funny. Well, it's not funny, but like. I saw. I saw my homie G-Verk's younger brother shout out Fish the other weekend. And it was just like, just seeing him again, it kind of brought out all those emotions of everything I talked about. And I've not even shown this track to his younger brother or anything, but like, you know, I hope one day he sees it and just like, you know, I hope it doesn't make him sad. I hope that, you know, he, he sees what he meant to a lot of the homies around here because everything I kind of go through is the reality of the person that he was. So, I felt like that's that's the best way I could attribute to the song kind of thing. Right. Right? Just because I respected so much with cuz I'd he- heard both your guys uh both um Scott and Noises verses to this and I'm just like I can't come on this with no bullshit. Like, you know, I have to come from the heart because I felt that in his verse and I felt that in in Scotty's verse as well and it's like even just listening back to Scotty's verse, like having the power to talk about the loss of your father, like I commend him even for that, you know, and even, you know, sitting here and hearing the stories when we talk to him on our podcast, it's like, it's it's dope, man. Like, like you said, is you knew the story of his father passing before this verse was even done, but for him to be able to eloquently put it in the way he did is, it's it's amazing, and I hope that that did I hope that that did something for him the same way it does to whoever listens to it. And th- I think that's a great point you bring up. Like, the at least from like a lot of South Asian cultures, like 
grief is we don't share in it yeah right we kind of like yeah we have these events where we're all together around death and around funerals but that actual discussion about what we're actually going through doesn't take place there no and i think that's it's a, a beautiful thing how we all kind of you know expressed our own grief and created this platform where we could all share it together and just kind of relate to each other even though each loss was different the um, just like we're able to process the grief together i felt yeah i think that's what makes it a very special record is it's super therapeutic yeah, yeah. yeah. without it it feeling like like too heavy it's very just like it's dope to hear three pers- uh, like perspectives on that and it kind of like flies but there's like so much no, in it. even like uh like i had played it for a homie on the way to soccer last night and this is a homie who dealt with the passing of his father not too recently and i was just like i was kind of scared of playing it for him just because i didn't want it to open up wounds for him as well but then like you know at the end of it like i didn't even say nothing and he's like yo that's a sick song but you i could tell that he was reflecting on his passing while hearing this song so that's when i kind of realized the power of that sense like we are talking about somebody that like somebody might be listening and they have no idea who we are talking about but this is going to put them in a mind frame where they can reflect on somebody they have lost and i feel like that's where the power within this song is is that they might they they're not necessarily going to know who we're talking about but if that brings up in their mind somebody they've lost and that can that can help them grieve and whatever, or at least self-reflect in how they felt in that grievance, then, you know, job's done. That's that's what the fuck music is here for, right? And I just want to say, like, motherfuckers, I'm proud of you guys from, like, <laughs> from literally this just starting as mass recording to seeing the concept take place to running into frustrations of how are we going to package this, how are we going to put this out into the world to actually seeing you guys not lose anything to try to appease anybody else but to try to try to make sure that everything is right so you can look at it and be personally happy with what the fuck you guys put out that to me is the biggest inspirational thing that i can take away from just having that courtside seat like this makes me want to there was a time where i'm like fuck it why are we overthinking everything I feel like I've kind of come full circle into, nah, motherfuckers, we got to overthink <laughs> everything because that is ultimately what is going to keep us. But uh, I enjoyed uh, those talks that me and you had because yeah. like we were in, like I completely understood your point mm-hmm. and you were right. And I just felt like for your journey, like me and you can have on our records that we were doing, yeah. that made sense. Yeah. But I know you were trying to like get us to do the same thing with this one because yeah. you're also hearing the records firsthand. So you're like, this has to come out now. <laughs> Sickness, yeah. drop it right now. You don't need nothing else. But I enjoyed that perspective too because it, I did apply it like with you. Mm. We knew how we can put stuff out and how it's going to work. So, but yeah, man, I'm just kind of glad like things just are finally coming out and I can't wait till like we do these shows, you know, just off that one little tester show that we did at Rose Theater with the listening and the gallery, like, it was a it was a pretty like overwhelming response that we got from it. So, and already like, you know, just off the cover, 
I'm getting nuts, people are hitting nuts, me up. What, what was your thought? Like, because is that the first time you seen the cover? Yeah, because you guys are fucking assholes <laughs> and decided to make everything private right at the end. So man's didn't see no fucking cover till when it dropped with everybody else. Well, the cover got done and I showed it to him. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't even like because I was on something, and you know I just kind of showed it to my brother and then he and I was like, "Yo, this is the cover. What do you think?" And he was. Like noise had explained it to me once he had seen it, and I was like, "This sounds nuts." But like to see what the fuck it was after the explanation was ten times wilder. Yeah. But then again, it goes back to the thing: like anything we have done visually, I've together, I feel like you know it's miles ahead of anybody else. Like we take we understand we come from the era of understanding how important artwork artwork is. Not many, not, well, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I feel like that gets slept on a lot of times. It's coming back, yeah. but the importance of artwork has been huge for the three of us, yeah. right? So I feel like within our circle, we've always understood the importance of making something stick the fuck out. Obviously, you are the, the more artistic in the sense of like the, create, like the art side of things. You've always been the guy that can make that shit happen. We might have ideas, but we can't execute it the way you and your brother do, right? But, like, going back to Dream, going back to fucking <laughs> everything else, like, everything has been iconic up until this point. So I, would, I didn't expect anything less, but this is something else. Like, this cover was... It, it, yeah, it kind of... It, it ties <laughs> it all together. I, I showed it to someone that I used to do, like, uh, a lot of these art projects with. And he is like, oh, you're coming back to your art bag, eh? like with that whole uh, graffiti <laughs> shit. I'm like, kind of, man. Like, I, I found all the stuff in the garage. It's been sitting there for like almost 10 years. Mm. You know what I mean? So, but it's it's just, it's also like a, a cool journey for me, kind of tapping back into the visual world through photography. And now it kind of, in a weird way, brought the art side to it too with the cover. You know what I mean? Yo, like, it goes back to the topic of lo-fi glory, man. We take the tools we've been given yeah. and we fucking make it work and yo, we, we shall see the glory. Well, you know, whether it comes today, whether it comes tomorrow. But I feel like the greatest thing I've taken away from this and I feel like you guys have as well is just at times blur out the blur out the noise and just fucking go with your gut because a lot of this is your guys gut feelings and you may not have realized that it, it it was a success until maybe even until you heard these last masters right like seeing this whole project come together now everything makes sense all those fucking countless conversations and debates and arguments and frustrating times it all led up to this and i feel like this album doesn't come out this way if none if any of that didn't happen right so it's a it's definitely an important chapter of what the fuck you guy your guys journey is you know and i feel like even just you know being a minor part of this but now seeing the end of it it's it's done wonders to to my inspiration as well like so i can only imagine what it's going to do to the countless amount of fans that Noise has and that Dusty has as well when they see 
a product after so long, but I feel like I feel like everything will be worth it. Like the second I heard the masters, I go, there's no denying this greatness. Like you can't. As you know, there's people that I, I'm sure are gonna hear this project be like, "Yo, that's dope," and they move on. Yeah, it's not easy. I can tell you firsthand to put an album together that's this cohesive. You know what I mean? And and it does take like, yeah, we had time on our side with stuff too. You know, it's not like we were on some critical deadline. We had to get it done. So like that helped. But like a lot of these songs, like we talked about, they got chipped at for months. Mm-hmm. Even when we like the song and it's like, I think we can add this. I think we can add this. So, you know, I think that's the, the time is the biggest advantage that we had on this project. And I hope people appreciate that, man. And I'm just glad like people were, were super, super patient. And yeah, if I got on anyone's nerves, my bad, yo, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I promise you, send your it, complaints to I don't give a fuck at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, there's a thing that we always like to do on every show is talk about things that we're grateful for. Since this is the Lo-Fi Glory episode, I'm going to let you guys talk about the people and inspirations that you are grateful for in making this project. So all those shout outs that you need to get out of the <laughs> way, any, anybody that influenced this project in any, other, in any way, whether they're on it or not. Let it be known and put it out there into the world and give your thanks. Yeah. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll run down quick, man. Yeah. Because I know this is a long podcast, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay, first one, obviously, I got to thank. Uh, I'm thankful for Noise for trusting me uh, through the good and the low points. <laughs> <laughs> really trusting me, knowing that I'll deliver, even though it's like painstaking sometimes, but it works. I, I think it worked out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just j- just being open and vulnerable throughout the entire process and just uh you know helping me grow as an artist as well and uh, you know challenge me along the way so uh like yeah for that growth like i'm very thankful for him and that whole journey and being super supportive even throughout whether we agreed or disagreed on stuff right uh second uh you of course you were there through the whole project you know what i mean of course me. <laughs> you were you were you were like a good you were you were both the angel and the devil on the shoulder. I was the motherfucking like, hype man in yeah. the studio. <laughs> like the angel side's like, yo, this is crazy, best record ever. The devil side is like, yo, drop it today. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this guy, just drop it today. And I'm like, yo, chill. Um, shout out to my brother, man. Always like keeping me in check about stuff. Hey, Harpreet. Yeah, hey, Harpreet. Um, yeah, man, because you know sometimes like I am working on multiple things. Like we didn't even get into the whole photography stuff, but. I was fucking losing my mind, man. Just being in that. I did photography more so to kind of get away from music. Yeah. Because in music, I'm like tied to things, right? I'm tied to like, I have a certain relationship with him that we're working on. I have a relationship with Espa. I have a relationship with other artists I'm kind of working with. And I just find like sometimes there's challenges and then I had to like put it out somewhere. So I ended up doing like a lot of the photography stuff because it's just me. So even though I'm shooting and you guys are seeing these pictures are happening, you know, indirectly, my mind is like f- figuring out shit for music. No. That's why I didn't stress some of the stuff because I know my b- brain's working in the back. 
So you guys are seeing me. T- you guys saw me literally take on a new life. No, yeah, and you're like, like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> not to cut you off, but even during these lo-fi sessions, the things to just get away from the frustration, the shit that was created was Dusty's photography career. <laughs> yeah. This motherfucking podcast. So it's like. Yeah, yeah. There like, you go, yo, man. None of this yeah. shit would have. Like, think about that. Like, I didn't even think about that until right now. This shit was created out of those fucking. But yeah, we sessions. we were just too close to too much. Yeah, that's what it was. It wasn't that we can't do it and stuff. It's just that there's a life we have to live, and then there's art. But then we have so much art, and we're like this close to it. You just can't no, see you it. You know what it is? We care so much yeah. that there needs to be something where where which is an escape to the overthinking of everything right yeah. it's like okay yo let me just do something like it goes back to that thing like we were all very frustrated with the turnaround from an idea to completion right yeah you you found a way in photography where you can ultimately 100% have like the work ethic is all based off you you're going to go out there, you're going to shoot, you're going to edit. So there's no waiting game. There's no waiting for noise to come in with the verse. There's no waiting for Espa yeah. to come back with a mix. That is how you dealt with that. Yeah. W- the way we dealt with the frustration of, okay, yo, these songs are recorded, but now we have to worry about the marketing. We have to worry about the strategy. We have to worry about this. That's where we're like, okay, what's a quick turnaround? These conversations that we were already having in lo-fi glory yeah. studio sessions were, was ultimately what created the idea of this podcast. Yeah. Right? So it, it all came out of finding ways to keep your creative juices going and not turning stagnant based off frustration. So, yeah. But continue with your No, things. 100%, man. And, like, two cups came out. Exactly. You know what I mean? Still banging. But, yeah, so, okay, uh, who did I have? Yeah, my brother, Noise. Uh, I gotta give a shout out you. I gotta give a shout out to Nav, man, because Nav's shout always, Nav. yeah, Nav's always been like the voice of reason, and just kind of give me like a super outside perspective. Cause yeah, he he yeah he's a big supporter of ours. He knows exactly where we need to be and what we need to be doing. But at the same time, he can take a step outside and be like, okay, let's look at it from a logic standpoint. Which he you know he did push us to get that first show. Even though, like, I had to pay for that with my health, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it still kind of was like, this is real and we can do it. You know what I mean? So he kind of put the similar battery with this one, too, with the release. So I made sure, like, you know, we, we kind of held to it. Um, I got to give a shout out to uh, both Scotty and Trey because this process has also been, like, very therapeutic for us and also just kind of, like, rekindling our relationship with just how like you know when everybody moved out and stuff just everybody was doing different things so i feel like we all just kind of grew separately respectively and then we found something that we connected back again on and it brought everyone in so and and those guys have been always been like my outside eyes and ears for everything we do so they'll check me right away and be like yo you're on something, don't get off this. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the first time I played the first mix to Trey and two of his friends, I don't even think they listen to this kind of music, but they, their reaction, man, I can't even explain it. It was like they saw a ghost or some shit. Because they're just like, yo, I've just never seen this, like heard this kind of experience. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, got those two. I got Vaish, you know, always being super open and like, 
very creative. I mean, she's an amazing musician herself. So she really kind of like, if anything, gave me game on some of the stuff. Because if I knew like someone can perform like that, okay, now it kind of opens me up to other record that's how like the first kind of comes along mm -hmm. but you know i can have i can have somebody singing on this and he can still do his thing and i can do my thing that's awesome like why yeah. not right uh strictly still of course man partner strictly in crime still. shout out to the shooter you know i've been trying to get him on stuff for a minute man we have records i don't know for whatever reason they're just kind of sitting so I had to link him back into this and just you know for the sake of the breakfast club bro yeah. we had to bring him back in um, and uh, I think the biggest guy that's helped us throughout this entire journey is Espa, man. Like, is a guy who saw something in me, felt like we were, you know, from the cut from the same cloth. Looked at me as a younger brother, gave me game, and said, "Yo, I'm willing to help you with everything, man. Just uh, let's get this work, man. I fucked with you like on everything that you're doing. It's different, but it's so rooted in what I'm coming from." And, like, I'm just happy I got that sound, man. It's it's one thing to, like, make records, make beats and record and stuff. But, like, I want my shit sounding a certain way. I, it is very related to, like, the stuff I grew up on and the stuff I heard. So the fact that he was able to get give us that sound and he liked it too, right, it, it just really took it to a next level. So, yeah, man, thankful for all these people, man. Just everyone that since our show consistently ask me where's the album where's the yeah. album you know what i mean so <laughs> uh let's get the, it <laughs> just touching on uh Espa, just to reference uh joe button podcast yeah when you're like um when you're like yeah just getting the masters from getting our mixes and masters from australia weird flex but okay, okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yo yo listen that that also like i know because it's so easy to like, you know, book sessions here, yeah. go see a person, get stuff. Yo, we're on a different time zone. I know. So, and thing is like, I have stuff going on anyway. So like the, my weekends aren't free. So if I'm doing something with Espo, that means I got to block out pretty much half the day. Yeah. And my nighttime is his morning. Yeah. Right. So we'll start at like 4 p.m. And it's 4 p.m. here. It's like, I think maybe 8 or 9 there. And I'm literally booked into a session. So we're, like, you know, thank God for FaceTime, man, because I'm just seeing him mix. And he'll mix it. And, and you know, it, it, it also gets bounced in real time. Yeah. So that means, like, if we have to mix and correct a song six times and it's three minutes long, that, a, I got to sit while. there six times every three minutes yeah. so it's like hear this he get he'll send a bounce it sounds prop yo where's noise there's no oh shit we bought we yeah. we we muted him because we were doing this so it's time consuming it's that's very what, that's not what the average right right know. The so mixing part is yeah very intricate. so that's why like even even like during when we were trying to do the first show it was just ridiculous pressure because it's like, yo, you got to get the songs out for this. Yeah. But I got, I literally got to work on someone else's schedule, like on their time slot, right? So, but yeah, man, shout outs to Australia. We're definitely going out there, man. They need mm -hmm. us out there. I'm ready for the Australia tour. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, noise. Let's end it off right. Yeah. Um, obviously, shout out to both of you guys, man. Dusty, Magic. Like, you guys pushed me to to grow as an artist and i definitely feel like 
working with you guys over the last few years has definitely allowed me to become a better artist, become a better MC, better songwriter. And yeah, it, I think it goes back to like when we had Jay Static on the show and he talked about the importance of having a team. And I think like the team that we have right now is very strong and it's like the best team environment that I've been in since I started working on music. And yeah, just along the same lines, like shout out to Espa because primarily the only people that I've had mixed my stuff were either Jay Static or Satnam. Yeah. And I had like engineers do songs here and there, but the people that have handled the bulk of my stuff has been Static and Satnam. And so working with Espa, this is probably the first time I've ever kind of had to just blindly put my faith into it and be like, all right, I'm going to hand over the reins and let you do your thing. Never met him, never spoke to him over the phone. <laughs> so that was kind of like, and that's another important skill to to learn too, is just like learning when to let go and know you can't have control over everything. So it was just like, all right, Dusty's going to handle it. Esso's going to handle it. I can't do anything right now. So I'm just going to let it go, put the trust in them. And yo, it came back like a thousand times better than I could have imagined. But yeah, shout out to everyone else that was involved, like Vaish, Strick, Scotty, Tremaine, Rube, obviously, the legend. Um, and yeah, shout out to some of the people that inspired a lot of the songs on this project. So obviously my wife, my sister, my parents, my grandparents, my nieces. Me. And, and what? Me. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Dusty. There's the, one of two bars are for me on there. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. Salute to everybody who made. Sorry, this. just one one more. Uh, Revive films, man. Oh yeah, very. Yeah. It, it's also been a journey to like find someone that can really like, um, you know, bring your vision like vision to life like that. And like, it was only so much I can do like photography wise. I was hoping. You remember, you guys are trying to talk me into uh, doing videography, bro. I could not do that. It was hard. You, you can. You're just a I, pussy. No, so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> maybe this summer, right? <laughs> let me let me do the two cups video. Oh, yeah. you could have it, bro. But yeah, man. Like the the way they were able to turn around stuff and actually match it very close to how we already have set a certain aesthetic to the project yeah. man i can't wait for people to see this video Bro, man. i've never been more pissed at not coming to a video <laughs> you messed up. yo listen that's the life. only thing that really like sucks about that video Bro, my car decides to die on the day I know, that you guys I know. shoot the best video ever. I was like, yo, he's not coming. I'm going to shoot extra hard today. <laughs> no, I know you guys want extra hard. No, but yo, you day. know what? I, I, had it, I had it in my head. There was supposed to be a shot. I'm not going to say what the video is fully right, but there was supposed to be a shot where there's two people on FaceTime, and it's you and Chewy. Okay. And so I wanted to get that shot in, but like, there we like looking back at like when I was editing the pictures, yeah, we went throughout the city like so yeah. many spots. You know I what I mean? Like we it was a busy like, day. We went from like nine a.m. to four p.m. Yeah, the we didn't stop. We didn't. Like, I eat. can't fucking wait. I've never been more excited. Like you said, there's no like how many videos have we done? Nobody has come close to actually wowing me. Yeah, and that like shout out to Umrud Revive Films. Like he's a fucking beast, man. Like, yeah. No, nah, but yeah. With that being said, yo, the like Lo-Fi Glory finally fucking here. If you're hearing this, you've already heard it. Give your feedback, yo. The team always listens to everything being said. We take it into consideration. Um, I'm 
I'm fucking proud of this project. I'm so happy I've, uh, I got to be a part of it. And I hope that this sets the trend for us to just keep it moving, keep moving in the right direction. And uh, yeah, like it's just it's just another step in the fucking journey. Yo. With that being said, this is the Immigrant Hustle podcast. Okay.